morning apartment. Ready to start the day. Jumping jacks, hit them. One, two, three. I am so pumped up! Yes! Overpriced coffee. That's $37. Awesome! Everything is awesome. Oh my gosh, I love this song! Come with me if you want to not die. What is happening? You're the special. And the prophecy states that you're the most important person in the universe. That's you, right? Uh, yes. That's me. Relax, everybody. I'm here. Batman? Awesome! Who are you here to see? I'm here to see your butt. Oh, my gosh. Pow. Wham. First try. My fellow master builders. Hello. Lord Business plans to end the world as we know it. There is yet one hope. The special has arisen. I know what you're thinking. He is the least qualified person to lead us. And you are right. A house divided against itself would be better than this. Abraham Lincoln. I'm not the special. I'm just a regular, normal guy. You have the ability to be the special because I believe in you. Destroy him! Aloha, loser! We'll wing it. It's a bad pun. Take him to the melding chamber. Isn't there supposed to also be a good cop? Hi, buddy. Would you like a glass of water? Yeah, actually. Too bad. We are entering your mind. What? I don't think he's ever had an original thought. That's not true. Introducing the double-decker couch. So everyone could watch TV together and be buddies! That is literally the dumbest thing I've ever heard. Let me handle this. That idea is just the worst. To the Batmobile. Dang it. To the invisible jet. Dang it. This podcast is sponsored in part by Benjamin Hart. That's me. And yours truly, Zach Arnold. And by participation from listeners like you. So let's tune in to another episode of IPC. 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 The Intergalactic Peace Coalition Podcast. All the galaxies. All for you. Hello once again, everyone, to another fantastic episode of the Intergalactic Peace Coalition podcast. My name is Zach, and I am so thrilled that you've chosen to spend the next little while with us. We're going to have some really awesome things to talk about tonight. And yes, that was an intentional pun, because as this movie that we're talking about tonight says, everything is awesome. Just a little hint as to what our discussion is for the evening. It was probably a really obvious one, but I don't care. Welcome to IPC, and please help me welcome my friend, my co-host. It's the awesome 
Mr. Benjamin Hart. How are you tonight, man? Everything is awesome. Everything is going. I'm sorry. Oh, hey, hey, guys. How's it going? I'm uh, so glad to be here. And uh, yeah, we're going to have an awesome show. Such a, an intentional pun that we're going to be using quite frequently throughout the course of the evening. But uh, in case these uh, these obvious, obvious hints we've been dropping were not obvious enough for you, tonight's discussion is about the Lego Movie, the original one from 2014. It's going to be a prelude to a discussion that is just on the horizon with a uh, certain sequel that recently released into the movie theaters. Uh, we still have not seen it. At least I haven't seen it. Ben, have you seen the sequel yet? Uh, I have not, but I'm planning okay. to this weekend, hopefully. So, yeah. And I'm planning to see it during $5 Tuesdays at AMC. So, uh, neither of us neither of us have had the chance to see the sequel yet, but we have both recently seen this, uh, this original one, either to refresh our memories or for the very first time. So... There's a, there's a lot of really interesting discussions in store tonight, along with some really cool news, a really awesome barbecue discussion, and a really big surprise for you that we're going to use to kick off the show, actually. Normally, we kick off the show with a discussion of different news topics, but uh, I, I kind of wanted to, to do this to Ben rather spur of the moment, and I thought maybe we could do it on the pre-show, but I actually just want to do it during the actual show. Because I think it, it's just good podcasting. I really do. Oh yeah, oh, yeah. this is <laughs> this, this good. is this is podcasting gold. About two or three days ago, I was listening to my local radio station, and a particular song that I hadn't heard in a long time uh, started playing, and I got a little nostalgic because I was like, "Oh man, I remember hearing this on the oldie station." Until the oldie station got more modernized. Like, this is how old the song is, apparently. Even the oldie station doesn't play it anymore. It's that old. But it's a classic. Uh, you, you have, of course, heard of the band Kansas. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, if, if, you, if you watch Supernatural, obviously you know Kansas because they have Carry On My Wayward Son. It's kind of, it's kind of a given. Like, that song is almost synonymous with the Supernatural uh, fandom right now. But uh, truth be told, they have another song that actually reminded me a lot of the Avengers. Mm-hmm. And apparently it reminded a certain YouTuber by the name of El Carousel, or Ellie Carousel, I can't say for sure. E-L-L-E. I, I never can tell what to do with that kind of spelling. But a certain YouTuber by Ellie Carousel, we'll call them, um decided that this song was actually really great as well to go with the Avengers. That song, of course, would be Dust in the Wind. (laughs) And I watched this once, just once, and I was dying, both, like, emotionally and kind of laughing as well, because uh, I was just like, holy smokes, are you serious? Somebody actually went there. Like, you actually went there and used this song for the Avengers. And I was like, you know what? I can't keep this to myself. I've got to share it with the rest of the world. So, Ben, I'm sharing it with you. I okay. sent you the link already. I'm assuming you, you potentially have it popped up by now. I I have it ready to go. And for those of you listening at home, the, there a, a link to this will be in the show description. But uh, And if you just want to search on Google or YouTube, I should say, um, Avengers Infinity War, Dust in the Wind, Kansas is the, the title. should be pretty easy to find. It only has 2,530 views. I feel like it deserves a heck of a lot more. From what you've because described, I haven't seen it yet, so I'm, I'm excited. 
it's it's actually really well edited and the timing of the song is really really good i've included the link um in channel 1138.com's chat for those of you that are listening live it'll be in the description uh, for those of you that, that want to like follow along with us, uh, we're both going to hit play simultaneously. We've got it set at double zeros on the on the increment marker. It's about three minutes and 20 seconds in length. And uh, yeah, we're going to hit play and we're going to like hear Ben's thoughts on it as it happens. We've done some commentaries on like the Avengers before and uh, what was it? Objects in Space from Firefly yep. we did something in. So we've done like commentaries before, but this is like a microcosm of that. This is like three minutes of commentary and hopefully it'll be really, really good because I enjoyed this video. I want to share it with the rest of the world, starting with you, Ben, and just get your thoughts on it because this song is amazing. So if you're listening live, follow the link that I put in the chat. If you're listening through iTunes, Google Play, or what have you, then be sure to follow along that way. But, Ben, if you're ready, I'm going to count us in, and yeah. we will hit play on the number one. Are you ready? I'm ready. Okay, Avengers Infinity War to Kansas's dust in the wind in three, two, one. Oh boy. Starting with all the emotional scenes. No, please don't make me cry. No. How dare yeah, you? Yeah, we got, I feel we got attacked. rocket now. I feel attacked. Steve getting the text. Oh. I'm not gonna cry. <laughs> uh, see, and I know you're a huge Age of Ultron fan. Yeah. Oh man. Yeah. Oh. I almost forgot about Just Thor's mom. I've only seen that movie once, so it's been a while. Twice for me. Nice, nice uh, crumble. As he, as it says, crumbles to the ground. You see Loki hit the ground as he crumbles. Right? That's uh, that's, that's clever. That sparkles in the wind for Odin. It's sparkly dust, like pixie dust. But I didn't realize how many other movies had used, like, similar concepts before, until now. The yeah. shoulder grab there, the hug there, the shoulder grab, and then... And then a hug. So it's like shoulder grab, hug, shoulder grab, hug, and dust. Like, holy crap. And the Guardians get oh, too. Oh, man, no. Like, even Yondu kind of turns into sparkly dust. You're, I didn't realize this, like, so dusting has been a thing in the MCU for years. It really has, and nobody's really noticed it. That was a killer. When, I know. When you, when you see Black Panther go, it's like, Holy crap. Look at this cutscene. I never made this connection. Like, he's looking down at people as they die. This is something habitual with Tony Stark. And I love in Age of Ultron that he says that, you know, and Sam Jackson, 
Nick Fury says the thing that um, you were worried you were going to lose all your friends, but the worst part was that you lived through it. Yep. Whew. The feels. The feels. All we are is dust in the wind. Should have been Set. that. Should have been the title of Avengers Four, right? <laughs> it's not Avengers Infinity War. It's Avengers Dust in the Wind. I really love that cutscene at the very end. One of the last Dust in the Wind sequences is like the people of Wakanda turning to dust. Mm. It's like a collective we. And as Kansas is singing, "All we are is dust in the wind," you see all these villagers from Wakanda turning to dust in the wind. Man. Like. Oh my gosh. So thank you, Ellie Carousel, and thank you, Kansas, for this uh, this moment of being up in the fields. A uh, great way to kick off an episode of the IPC podcast. <laughs> Especially isn't one it? about the Lego movie. Right? It's like polar opposites because the Lego movie is like such a great feel good movie, and then I'm showing you this. But also, it just feels like a precursor to. Uh, to what's going on in in the MCU, like it, it's it's a it's a pattern. It's something that's happened fairly regularly with these people, and then it, it's almost like it was this giant foreshadowing that we never saw coming. All these people that got dusted in some way, shape, or form in previous MCU movies, now like the, like the, some of their counterparts end up joining them as dust in Infinity War. It's crazy. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, there you go. That's your feels for the day, folks. Kansas's dust in the wind. Oh, Good my stuff. gosh. Good stuff. Okay, time for some happy news. Uh, if you are a fan of the Star Wars universe, and I'm assuming you are, uh, otherwise, why are you listening to this podcast? Uh, it was officially announced today via uh, Episode 9 director J.J. Abrams that the principal photography of the film has concluded... As of February 15th, 2009, uh, he posted about it on Twitter and then other people on the Twitterverse, John Boyega and the likes, uh, followed it up with statements of their own. But uh, we're now moving into post-production phase and just 10 short months out from the actual movie, Ben. It's getting closer. It's getting more real. Yeah. Yeah, seriously. It's uh, – and they this picture – Talk about more feels. You have right, you have very true. John Boyega, Daisy Ridley, Oscar Isaac, all in costume, all out in the desert, uh, presumably in Jordan, where they filmed a lot of this movie. We don't know where this is set, but it's it's in the movie somehow. And they're all hugging, and then Oscar Isaac appears to be crying, and then that's when it's like, oh god, please, feels hit me. Um, so yeah, it's it's thing, and I don't know if like this was the last day of filming. I don't know if this film, this picture was taken that day because today, because you know they, I think they shot a lot of Jordan several months ago, but still, you know, it's 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 a big thing, and you know, we know that. You know, they're billing this as the last of the Skywalker saga, and even though we know kind of that's not technically true, um, this is probably going to be the last big thing for the for this cast and, and, and you know, J.J. and all these guys. So really, really bittersweet. Oh, man, I'm I'm intrigued. Uh, I'm hopeful. I'm excited. And like I said with the guys on uh, on Star Wars Syndicate on Wednesday, which we both got to be a part of, yes, so if uh, if you've got a chance, go check out 
the episode of Star Wars Syndicate that we both guest star on. It was a giant roundtable. It was a lot of fun. We did a lot of Episode Nine speculation. And I, I kind of made the illusion that um, the closer we get to Episode Nine, the more excited I'm going to be. Right. This feels like a step in that uh, in that direction. You know, now that we know that everything that needs to be shot is done, as long as there's no announcements for reshoots or anything like that, we're now one step closer to that final installment. And so, you know, I said my excitement was probably like around a 6.5. It may have just bumped up to a 7, you know. And then when we get the teaser, it'll be like an 8. And when we get an official trailer, it'll be like a 9. When we get to like uh, October, November, it'll be like a 9.5. You know, it's just going to be this gradual thing until we actually finally get to see the movie. And I'm really looking forward to seeing this movie together because oh. one of my favorite things, honestly... One of my favorite things about watching Rogue One and Episode Eight was being like just one or two seats over from you and getting your reactions too. Because... Yeah, you you don't realize how much you know that stuff matters until like you get to see it with someone else that cares about it as Very much true. as you do. Um, Very you true. Know, and I, I I love you know even when I'm by myself I love to be in a packed theater. Like some of my favorite ex- uh, uh, theater experiences that I can remember are. Rogue One, but like by myself, dude. Like I saw Black Panther and also Spider Man Homecoming in a packed, packed theaters, like no seats available theaters, and it was an amazing experience because it was just everyone was pumped up, reacting to the movie. It was great. Yeah, man, Rogue One is still one of the best experiences I ever had. That and uh, the Last Jedi. You know, that one that one was pretty full, and getting to see it with that many people mm-hmm. was also really, really cool. Um, like, people that I know. I've never bought 16 tickets to a theater before. We had a huge, huge splotch of seats right there. Amazing. Mm-hmm. It was a, it was a four by four square. So it was like four, and then the next row, four, next row, four, next row, four. And we just had, like, almost a quarter of the theater kind of blocked out for ourselves. Yeah. Uh, my original intent was to try and rent out like an entire theater that had like 45 to 50 seats, but not enough people RSVP'd. So I was like, okay, whatever. And I ended up using like two different internet tabs and two different credit cards to purchase all of those tickets all at once to make sure that I got them all together. <laughs> um, so that was probably one of the most involved processes that I've ever done when purchasing tickets. And our friend Jeff White, who's in the chat with us on channel1138.com, was also a part of that. And he's like, I cannot wait to see episode nine with you guys. Episode eight was so awesome. He's like thanking me for getting the tickets. Dude, no, thank you for driving all the way to Dallas uh, from Arizona just to watch a movie and be a part of a podcast like that is some hardcore dedication. My that dude. was so, crazy. And I'm, I'm glad. I'm glad Jeff, Jeff's going to make it out to to L.A. for that. That's going to be awesome. It's going to be fun. And I will it's say, I will say really quick to everyone within the sound of my voice: if you would like to see episode nine with us, you can do that. Not that we're some big shots that we don't allow you to sit. We're going to the Chinese theater in Hollywood. Um, and that is completely open to everyone. You can line up, and I think we're actually going to have to like stay the night at the TNE Theater, maybe um, at least Ooh. one night. So that's going to be interesting. But if you're willing to pay the money, it all goes to a good cause. It goes to, uh, I believe, benefit Starlight Children Children's Foundation, and they all the guys at LiningUp.net they organize that and write it up. So definitely check that out if you are able to make it. Do the Chinese theater with a Star Wars movie at least once in your life before you die. Oh, man. It's an amazing, amazing experience. 
Totally is. Totally is. And so, you know, we're, we're, we're super excited about getting to see something on the big screen, but there's also a rumor floating around that the production on the first live-action small-screen series is also either at or very near completion. Uh, ben, you, you caught wind of information from one of your sources on, on Twitter or, or email or something like that about The Mandalorian also being nearly done with principal photography. Is that right? Yes, actually, it was uh, our, our my buddy um, Star Wars Explained. Everybody knows Star Wars Explained from YouTube, um, and he tweeted out today that um, actually it's a screenshot of someone else's tweet. Um, it's at the unsung movie. I don't know what this is exactly. Never heard of it. I'm assuming it's some kind of fan film or independent film or whatever. And they say congratulations to our director Damiano. Fusca, who works on the upcoming show The Mandalorian. The crew has officially wrapped the first season of production. And there's a picture of a Mandalorian helmet with a bunch of signatures on it. Um, and it says Mandalorian Season 1 crew, all these different things. There's probably a Dave Filoni and a John Favreau signature in there somewhere. Um, in fact, I see, I see a doodle. There's one on the, the left-hand side of it. Looks like looks it looks like a day Filoni to me, um, but yeah, it's a really cool picture. You can go check it out on StarWarsExplained.com. I'm sure it'll be up on StarWarsUnderworld.com eventually. But uh, yeah, so apparently, the first live action Star Wars TV show and the last Skywalker saga film wrap production on the same day. I mean that that's uh, quite the coincidence. I'm sure they didn't coordinate it that way. But uh, I'm excited for really for, for both of those. Like I'm still trying to figure out where in my budget I'm going to be able to afford Disney Plus, but <laughs> I know that I'm going to need access to it because with uh, with those uh, MCU movies that are going to be available, with the MCU TV shows that are in the works, with the Mandalorian in the works, with you know certain other originals that are going to be on there, the Disney films, the Pixar films, like Disney Plus is totally going to be worth it. But I just got to figure out, like, I never even bought CBS All Access. Like, I, I just don't know, like, how or when or if I just need to make fewer trips to Whataburger, which sounds like sacrilege in the state of Texas. But I will figure it out, okay? I, <laughs> I will figure it out. But if you want more Star Wars news like talk about Episode Nine wrapping and The Mandalorian finishing with its principal photography then be sure to go check out our friends at StarWarsUnderworld.com. They have all that type of news, rumors, casting announcements, release dates, information, and everything else such as that from a galaxy far, far away. So uh, be sure to follow them. Mm -hmm. They are uh, partners of ours, and they're also just really awesome people because, I mean, Ben's a part of them, so obviously they're awesome. Yeah, they're okay. Because everything is awesome. Okay, I'm I'm done. (laughs) For now... For now, I'm done, but uh, not quite. We still have a lot to talk about tonight. One of the biggest things that uh, that I want to touch on for uh, this part of the news segment is the timing. You know, we're talking about timing and, you know, the, the filming being done for both Episode Nine and The Mandalorian. I just feel like it's very interesting timing that Disney should happen to release a teaser for both Aladdin's live-action film and Frozen 2 within the same week. Yeah. I want to get your thoughts first on Aladdin, Ben, and then we'll get to, to Frozen 2 after that. What did you make of what you saw 
from Aladdin, particularly those last few seconds of Will Smith as the genie. Okay, first of all, I didn't hate it as much as everyone on the internet did. But I'm still cam- come away from that going, what the heck did I just watch? <laughs> I just, it something felt off about it. And there's so many different things that you can nitpick about this trailer from Jafar's voice to, you know, yeah. to, to Will Smith as a genie. He just, it, it, you can't, it's hard to put your finger on exactly what is wrong with that picture. It's just off. It's just wrong. I don't know what it is. And I'm someone who's coming into this. I know people are like, oh, he'll never fill the shoes of Robin Williams or whatever. You know, I don't know about Will Smith. I've been like, I'm I'm game for Will Smith. I think he'll do an awesome job as a character. And he still could. But this first look is just, it, it, I don't know what it is. It's the, the ears are weird. The whole body is weird. They like took Will Smith and they turned, instead of like, you know, just making him blue, they, they turned him into this kind of weird CG, like, hybrid, and just, like, cartooned him up, and it's just off. I don't know what to make of it, and I don't know, like, I don't know what Disney's thinking right now. I'm I'm sure that they released this going, like, oh, everyone's going to love this, and everyone didn't. And, you know, the movie is out in June, I believe. That's That's not a whole lot of time to really repair anything so I, I i don't know like is this gonna make or break this movie is it i mean is it that big of a deal is this just a bad shot and the rest of the movie looks all right who knows i mean it's kind of an important shot though i mean it, it's how you get introduced to the genie in the first place like it, it's kind of a, it's kind of a crucial sequence so i'm not really sure what to make of this if i'm being totally honest because i I love the genie from Aladdin, and I love Will Smith. In theory, those two should go together pretty well. Right. He's he's pretty comedic for this generation. He's relatable and accessible the way Robin Williams was back in the 90s. Like, it, it makes sense. From a casting perspective, it makes sense. But it may just be an execution thing. It it may just be this is how it was presented, and it wasn't presented as well as it could have been, and that's unfortunate, um, yeah. to say the least. So uh, I'm I'm trying to keep an open mind, but here's where I'm going with this whole timing thing with the Frozen Two trailer. There is a theory going around that the Frozen Two teaser was not meant to be released until much later. Because the movie isn't even due until, like, what, November? Yeah, that's weird. The movie is set for, like, a Thanksgiving release or something. And so it's not really going to need a whole lot of hype right now. That's why, you know, Star Wars doesn't have a teaser yet or anything like that. You know, it's ten months away. Calm down, people. Frozen 2 is nine months away. Let's yeah. calm down. Yeah. But there is a theory going around the uh, the Twitterverse that the reason we got a Frozen 2 trailer is because people reacted negatively to the Aladdin teaser, and so they dropped the Frozen 2 teaser as a way to alleviate some of the tension. Oh, get people distracted. Exactly. Get people thinking and talking about something else, something potentially more impressive and more excitable and now all of a sudden the attention has turned to Frozen 2 instead of the unfortunately reviewed aesthetic 
of the Aladdin teaser. I, it does not take much to distract the internet. Um, it really I mean, doesn't. Right now, I mean, Aladdin was a hot topic Monday, Tuesday, whenever this came out. Now it's Friday. No one's talking about Aladdin anymore. Um, it's all nope. it's all frozen Star Wars. Yep, exactly. So, I mean, I guess their marketing ploy worked. It was like, okay, just in case this isn't well-received, we need to have a backup plan. And then it's like the Aladdin teaser dropped, what, on Tuesday? And then they dropped the the, uh, Frozen 2 teaser on Thursday or something like that? Like, they had those things back-to-back. Yeah. So, it it doesn't doesn't surprise me that they would have a backup plan like that it doesn't surprise me that this is a move that they would pull what does surprise me is that they felt like they needed to push the panic button you know like now we can probably expect to see a the 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 frozen teaser at captain marvel yeah you know and we we might even get a full trailer by the time uh uh endgame comes out so you gotta wonder if they're gonna be distributing the aladdin trailer everywhere with such a reaction, you know? With this reaction, I don't know. They they may have to do, like, a new version or a different version or do, like, a full trailer that's potentially more exciting instead of just this teaser. Just, it, it blows my mind that this teaser, and you can imagine, I like, there's people out there that work at Disney and Disney Animation and CGI and stuff like that, maybe even Industrial Light Magic. I don't know if they worked on this movie or not, but probably worked months, if not years, on this shot of the genie, and we're extremely proud of it, and went, oh, this is great, people are going to love this, and the internet trashed it. And, you know, I don't agree with the internet abroad a whole lot when it comes to this stuff, but yeah. I mean, there's hardly ever an instance when you actually totally agree with the internet on anything. If you ever do, then you probably have multiple personality disorder. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Um, because, you know, there's people like our friend George in the chat who's like, people are so fickle these days. I love the new Aladdin teaser, you know, and, and here's the thing. I didn't necessarily grow up on Aladdin because of the magic that Jafar had, and my parents were not big on magic back in the day. And so it wasn't like a, as big a part of my childhood as something like the Lion King was. I'm super excited for the Lion King. I'm kind of intrigued by Aladdin, but I'm also kind of not. I'm like, okay, I'm going to wait for, like, the movie reviewers to to give some instant reactions before I make a final call on it. I don't even know if we've got it scheduled as a particular movie that we're reviewing on IPC later this year. I think we are. Like, it's just kind of on the back burner for me right now because I'm just more excited about other films. You know, yeah, I, I there's just yeah. a there's just a lot of other material out there that uh, Aladdin is kind of becoming obsolete as much as it disappoints me to say it's it, it's kind of slipping into mediocrity without even having released already just because everything else has been so impressive and so exciting, including the likes of Frozen 2, that Aladdin just isn't even in the hype conversation anymore. Yeah, I feel like I feel like they lost a lot of people with this trailer. I really do, and I, I'm not. I, 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 I'm I, like I like I said. I don't think the internet is a good judge. Facebook and Twitter are not good judges of what people actually think. Um, but at the same time, just from talking to people that I know that are real people that have real opinions, like opinions are all over the place with this thing. And I'm I'm personally, it hasn't doused my 
and excitement for this movie. I'm still looking forward to it. I still want to go see it. I'm going to judge it fairly. But I feel like the excitement, I mean, I think with all these things, it, they really have to try hard because it's a remake. And people just generally are like, I don't know about this. Especially taking a classic one like Aladdin or Lion King or whatever. you got to win people over. And I don't think... I don't think anybody I don't think anybody that was on the fence about this movie was turned on by this trailer. And I definitely don't think anybody that was excited got more excited about the movie after seeing this trailer. Yeah, I think that's the thing is it, it's it's not really much that added to my excitement, but it wasn't anything that made me less excited either. I'm just still kind of meh, you know. Yeah. It's it's not like I'm saying, okay, I'm convinced now. And it's not like I was convinced and saying, oh, I'm not convinced now. I was just kind of, eh. And I watched it again, and I was like, eh. So I, I'm, not, I'm not as, you know, intrigued by Aladdin. But surprisingly, and, and, and it almost pains me to admit it, because we hardly ever discuss this franchise in any capacity on this podcast, uh, just, as a, just as a general rule. But um, I was rather intrigued by the Frozen 2 teaser. And I will go on record right now, and I know someone in particular will be very happy to hear this. I'm raising my hand right now. I am totally open to discussing Frozen and Frozen 2 on this podcast and watching it. Oh, boy. I haven't seen it yet. Oh, boy. Now, I'm just one of two votes to make that happen. So we'll see what the other guy says. But uh, oh, I'm man. open to it, even though, yes, I am very tired of Let It Go. Oh, uh, man, we just need to let go of Let It Go. <laughs> oh, man. But, in, in, my, in my opinion. But I agree, the trailer, the trailer for Frozen 2 was, was pretty awesome. It's pretty, you know, the animation looks, looks spectacular. It's very dark, which is I wasn't really expecting from a Frozen trailer. Um, mm-hmm. And looks looks interesting, uh, you know. As someone who hasn't seen the first one, I, I'm not really invested in this one. You know, I really have to go see the first one to actually want to go see the second one. But it, it looks good, and I mean, Frozen, like as much as people may want and you know like to hate on it sometimes, I mean, it's the like still the highest grossing animated film of all time. Like it's it's a huge thing, and this movie has got people excited. Well, here's here's the one thing that you need to know about the first Frozen movie. A lot of it was involved around Elsa's ability to control and harness her powers. Right. Like, the, the first half of the movie was about hide it in and hide from everybody. Don't reveal your uniqueness and your individuality. And then the second half was more about, you know what? Screw the world. <laughs> I'm going to be me. I'm going to do me. And I chill. Literally. And she just... Let it go. Hence the song. And then, like, the last 15 minutes of the movie or so, she decided she was going to, like, use it for good or whatever. And so this teaser is kind of, like, letting the rest of the world know that not only is she not going to be, you know, um, hiding from the rest of the world, and not only is she going to be... Uh, trying to utilize her powers, but she's going to be trying to utilize them in a constructive manner. And that's that's why she's, like, throwing ice onto the ocean, trying to use it as, like, stepping stones, why she's trying to, like, freeze the waves as she's trying to, like, climb up them. And then did you happen to notice that after that big wave crashed, one of the title cards that they were using during the teaser said, This Fall? <laughs> 
<laughs> I didn't notice that. Right after she has a big fall, one of the title cards that follows her talking about the movie says, This Fall. Wow. And I was like, you did not just do that. But they totally did. And here's the deal. We don't know a whole lot about the plot, which is okay because it's a teaser. We don't know a whole lot about who the villain is, which is okay because it's a teaser. Uh, our friend Katie Horn is under the impression that they are actually searching for Hans, who was the bad guy in the previous film, because he doesn't make an appearance here. Mm. So they think it's a, she thinks it's a rescue mission. I'm okay with subscribing to that. It might be interesting because, you know, there are some people that think it was an opportunity to redeem his character that he didn't die. And so, you know, there's always that outside chance. But um, I I just, I loved the visuals. I loved the the implied intensity, uh, the the -the over-the-shoulder shot that they did, uh, uh, overlooking the valley reminded me of something out of The Hobbit. Like yeah, it, it yeah. looked, it looked just very aesthetically pleasing. And so if you're going to have those visual components and you're going to have all of those favorite characters, and of course there's going to be music associated with it, like they are setting themselves up for a good foundation. Once they do release a trailer, once they do release the movie, like they're, they're getting the ball rolling pretty well. I don't know if Elsa's attempts to walk on water are actually going to be in the film. It may have been something that they just included for the teaser. I can't say for sure. But I can say, I can definitely say, I am more intrigued for Frozen 2 than I was for Frozen 1. And I'm more intrigued about Frozen 2 than even I thought I was going to be. Real quick, before we move on from this, I, I want to tell a yeah. funny story. So, Sure, by all means. I One time I was at Disney, at Disney World, uh, in, in the Magic Kingdom, and we were eating at one of the restaurants that kind of overlooked the, the uh, Cinderella's Castle. And this was kind of late at night, and you know it was getting close to closing time for the park, but then they, they, came, they come over the speakers on the park, and they're like, and this is prior to the release of Frozen. And probably a few months before it actually released, and they and they come over the speakers and they say, "May we have your attention, please? We'd like you to, we'd like to introduce you, and premiere a song from our next big movie, Frozen." And they begin to play the song, and for the life of me, I cannot remember what the song was, but I'm willing to bet it was "Let It Go." And so, so, so what, I, do, I'm, do you think do you think it might have been Let It Go, or do you think maybe it was Love Is an Open Door? Because that's another really popular. One. I think it was kind of Christmas time, so I, I don't know. I don't know. I, I I feel like my theory is I was one of the first people on the planet to hear Let It Go. So it's been stuck in your head the longest. Then. Exactly. You have my sympathies. <laughs> I'll take them. I worked at a summer camp. This is my anecdote for Let It Go. I worked at a summer camp back in 2014, and Frozen was released November of 2013. So this was the first summer following up Frozen's popularity. And for some reason, this summer camp in Central Texas thought it was super ironic to play Frozen music, music from the soundtrack, in 100-degree Fahrenheit weather. Oh, boy. And I was like, oh my gosh, it's nowhere near cold enough for this. But they played that song perpetually. We had a segment where we would bring in all the different groups. Every counselor had a group of like 10 to 12 kids. 
And every counselor would bring their group to like this central location and we would put on skits and do songs and stuff. And one of the songs that we did almost every week and probably two or three times of every week was Let It Go. The other song that was super popular, Summer of 2014, Uh oh. Everything is Awesome. <laughs> oh, boy. It all ties together, so stay tuned, folks. We're almost to our discussion of the Lego movie. We have one more tiny piece of uh, news slash rumors that we want to talk about before we get into this uh, super big discussion. And uh, it, this is this is really more for my nostalgia than anything else. Um, there, there's talks that CBS and Nickelodeon are in negotiations to produce an animated Star Trek series. Oh. Now, I, I highly doubt that it's going to be like a, a reboot or, or a continuation of the original Star Trek animated TV show. But the fact that Star Trek is gaining such popularity again kind of makes my heart happy. You know, they're working on uh, – Star Trek Discovery is out right now. And they're working on uh, a uh, Captain Picard series as well for CBS All Access. So to have that along with an animated TV show, um, it it sounds intriguing. It's going to be geared towards younger viewers, obviously, because it's Nickelodeon. Uh, It's to be penned by uh, Kevin and Dan Hageman, who worked on Ninjago Masters of Spinjitzu, Hotel Transylvania, and get this... They were co-writers of the Lego movie. Uh-huh, uh-huh, wow. So, I, I mean, this is so weird. I didn't even realize this. I went and looked at, at the following the nerd article that, that posted it, and I look at it's penned by brothers Kevin and Dan Hageman who worked on da-da-da-da-da, and the last thing that they have credit for is the Lego movie. I'm like, holy crap. Like, I could not have pictured this more perfectly. Uh, this will be the second Star Trek animated series being developed as Lower Decks was given a two-season order at All Access last October. So that's going to be more adult-themed because it's going to be on CBS All Access. But this is going to be an animated one that's slanted towards kids. And I just got to say, I'm excited that the Star Trek universe is popular again. I know that Star Wars has been popular since, you know, basically 2008 or so. And then, like, really, really kicked off from, like, 2012 to 2015 when people were getting excited about uh, about episode seven, but for the the Star Trek universe to have this kind of traction again is kind of cool to see. Yeah, it's really it's it's been exciting to see. I haven't, I mean, admittedly, I haven't watched anything new Star Trek since the first two episodes of Discovery, and now they're moving on to season two of that show, and it looks really good. I, I'm wanting to get back to it, um, but. Yeah, it's it's crazy, and I love it. I love that Star Trek is having this kind of new renaissance of stuff, and so many different shows, and bringing back old characters, doing new stuff, and doing this animated show, which is something you don't really necessarily think of. Like, wow, okay, Trek animated, like that sounds awesome. Like that that legitimately, like that sounds like they could be, they could really do some neat stuff with that. So, I'm I'm on board with this. I I can't wait to see what they come up with. Here's here's something interesting. Um, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna share with you my plight, and this will be our transition out of of the the news discussion and transition into the movie. Um, I had a really hard time finding a streaming service that was gonna play the Lego Movie for me today. Oh, really? 
I thought I was going to be able to rent it on Amazon because Amazon's got just about every movie available for rental. But when I went and looked for it, it said it wasn't available. And I was like, wait a second, really? And so maybe it has to do with Warner Brothers taking the availability away so that people are more interested in watching Lego Movie 2 or something like that because it just recently released. I don't know. But I, I, I don't know why it wasn't there. So I decided to search Hulu. And Hulu didn't have it. So I went and searched Netflix. And Netflix didn't have it. So I'm like, holy crap, these are the big three. Usually somebody has it. Where am I going to find this thing? And lo and behold, it was actually Nickelodeon's competitor that had the Lego movie available to watch on demand. Wow. Cartoon Network. Wow. I I don't know how, but they had some sort of partnership. I guess the Lego movie has aired on Cartoon Network at some point uh, in the past couple of years. And my family has a subscription to PlayStation View. I don't know if you've heard of PlayStation View before. Uh, maybe, yeah. It's basically like a channel streaming service with a cloud DVR. So you are basically paying for cable access without having to have a cable box or a subscription to something like AT&T or DirecTV. Okay. And so you've you've got certain cable channels available depending on how big of a package you get. And you don't even need a PlayStation device to be able to have a PlayStation View account. You just need something like a Roku, an Apple TV, or an Amazon Fire Stick. And you can set up your account from one of those, as well as your PlayStation 4. So there's multiple platforms you can watch it from, and you just stream the channels. It's about a two to two and a half minute delay from the regular stations, but it's a lot cheaper. Wow. So as a last-ditch effort... I went and tried to search for the Lego movie on PlayStation View, and lo and behold, Cartoon Network had it available on demand. So there were a few commercials that I had to get through. They had about three commercial breaks, one at the very beginning before the movie started, and about two in the middle, and one right before the credits. And I was like, you know what? I can live with this, because it's basically just two commercial breaks in the middle, and I suffer through the little bit at the front, and I skip the credits at the end. Big deal. (laughs) Yeah, And so, so, yeah, thank you to Cartoon Network and PlayStation View for providing me access to this movie because if you didn't have it, I honestly was kind of at a loss as to where I was going to be able to view it from because uh, I'm not one of those people that goes in and pirates stuff on a regular basis and uh, I don't really have much access to anything outside of those big four. I mean, PlayStation View, Netflix, Hulu, and Amazon, you should be able to find something out of all of those. And so... Thankfully, PS View was able to save my butt, and I got to sit down and watch this movie for the very first time, believe it or not. Very first time. That's when it crazy. came out when it came out in 2014, I just wasn't that excited about it. I knew it was probably more geared towards kids because a lot of the kids that I was a counselor for that summer were really excited about it, and they were always singing, Everything is awesome! And so I was just like, you know what? I got other stuff to do. Guardians of the Galaxy is coming out this summer. I'd much rather spend my money watching that. (laughs) And so I I just kind of shifted my attention away from it. And I just just kind of forgot about it. And then Lego 2, Lego Movie 2 came out. Or or actually it was the Lego Batman movie that convinced me, hey, you know what? They're kind of turning this into a franchise. Maybe I should do something about that. Gotta catch up. I got I got to start working on playing catch up, and I still haven't seen a Lego Batman movie, but I did see 
uh, Will Arnett's Batman in this movie. He actually had a much bigger role than I was expecting him to have, which was cool. Yeah, he's pretty much a major player in this one, and he's he one, really of, one of my favorite parts, to be honest. He really is. He's, he's a pretty major player, and I really wasn't expecting more uh, than a cameo out of him because just about everybody else only had a cameo. And also, it's it's kind of crazy to think about he's the only – he's the one of the main characters that is a already established character, like a franchise character from other films. Like, yeah. I mean, he's he's Batman, and they're kind of, like, riffing on, like, oh, yeah, he's Batman or whatever. I love that they, they, list, they at least took one character that was pre-established and was able to make him really funny and really awesome. Well, the cool thing is, with uh, Warner Brothers producing this movie, they already have the movie rights to DC characters. Yeah, so and, yeah, and they, I don't think there's any Marvel characters. It's all DC I'm pretty sure it is because, I mean, we saw Superman in there. We saw Wonder Woman in there. We saw uh, somebody else. I think Green Lantern made a cameo appearance. Because yeah, Green a, Lantern a... was annoying Superman the entire time. Okay, okay. I, I may have just <laughs> missed that. But, uh, yeah, we, we got we got mostly them. But then we also got characters, you know, who you know who voiced Green Lantern, by the way? No, I didn't. I forgot. <laughs> Jonah Hill. Oh, I love it. Yes, I, I knew there was some 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 cameos amongst the all the superheroes in there, but yeah. Oh gosh. Okay, and here here's something interesting. Um, Barry, I'm assuming that's Barry Allen, as in the Flash, yeah. was voiced by Jake Johnson. Oh my gosh, that's crazy. So we've got Jake Johnson being the Flash in the Lego Movie, and then he turns into Peter Parker. In into the Spider Verse a few years later. Does does Jake Johnson have a thing with Phil Lord and Chris Miller that he's just showing up in all their movies? Like maybe. Like oh my gosh, if Lord and Miller had been able to follow through on Solo, does that mean we would have seen Jake Johnson in a Solo or in a Star Wars movie? I would have been totally okay with that. Dude, Jake Johnson's probably one of my favorite actors. Like not gonna lie, I loved him in uh, New Girl. And I loved him in Jurassic World. I loved him as Peter Parker. Um, he was in this movie called Let's Be Cops that our buddy Armando gave to me for my birthday. <laughs> I laughed my butt off during Let's Be Cops, not going to lie. It was hilarious. He's just kind of on top of his game right now, and I'm super happy for him. Because he's getting voice acting jobs. He's getting regular acting jobs. He's doing comedies. He's doing franchise films. I don't think it's that long before we see him in something like Star Wars. I really believe it. Yeah, I seriously, so, I, I would love that. I mean, here's the deal. This movie is full of really, really awesome characters. Like, the, the voice actors that they got for this movie was an absolutely stellar cast. Before we get into, into the plot or anything like that, let's just give a shout-out to the likes of Chris Pratt... Uh, Elizabeth Banks, we got Will Arnett, like I said, as a voice of Batman. We had uh, Will Ferrell. He actually kind of played a double role because he had some live-action moments as did well. You, I want to ask you, I, I don't want to jump too far ahead, but like, did you see the live-action bits coming? No, I really didn't. That surprised me. I really didn't. like That threw a curveball at me, and we'll, we'll talk about that when, when the time comes, but... I was not expecting that. You got Morgan Freeman in this movie. You got Keegan-Michael Key in this movie. Chris Miller actually plays a small bit role in this as well. Uh, Nick Offerman from Parks and Recreation. You got Shaq himself, like voicing himself, the Lego (laughs) version of Shaq. 
you've got holy crap you got kobe smolders from how i met your mother as wonder woman you got billy d williams reprising his role as lando and you've got liam neeson as the bad cop good cop pa cop combination i love that like holy smokes like this is beautiful for a game of one two three you remember that yeah. old game one yeah, two three that used that to back. play here on ipc this is like one of those perfect examples of a game of one, two, three. Because if I told you that Shaquille O'Neal, Nick Offerman, and Liam Neeson were all in the same movie, you would have called BS. <laughs> like, easily. Easily. And yet, somehow, the Lego movie is able to bring all of these and so many other great actors and actresses together. It really just blows my mind. Yeah, it's it's a great and then all the vocal cameos and stuff like that and all the different characters they used and it's just it's a really brilliant movie and and it's funny and kind of pulling back a little bit I think I think we all kind of didn't take this movie seriously at first and maybe the reason like especially me and you you know I saw it after it was released you know a couple years ago but I still didn't see it when it was first released I think a lot of people were kind of like I'm not sure about this, a Lego movie? I mean, it seems so natural now. Um, but, uh, you know, it's... Uh... Can you hear that in the background? You mean the phone ringing? <laughs> yes. Uh, no, I don't hear anything. Okay, we'll just keep <laughs> moving on. We'll know, know what, nobody... Uh, <laughs> nobody... Thing. I don't know why that's happening. Um, anyway... Do people actually call your office phone? Like, are you that important that people call you at nine fifteen p.m. on your office phone? Yeah, yeah, it's 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 just crazy. They're trying to all all you know times of the day and night. They're just trying to get in contact. You know what it is? It, it's it's Canadian TV trying to schedule you for an interview now that episode nine has wrapped on its filming. Oh man, I would love to do that again. They haven't called me in a long time. You know, I, I've been disappointed. I was in Toronto for crying out loud. They didn't call me. Dude, I guarantee you the next time they want to do Star Wars commentary, they are going to call Benjamin Hart from the Star Wars Underground. I am the leading – this guy from Mississippi is the leading Star Wars expert of Canada, all right? I am the leading Star Wars expert, damn it. More so than Dominic Jones, the guy who actually – oh, I don't know, lives in Canada? Actually lives – this isn't just – for those who for those who don't know, really quick, I don't know why we're even going off on this tangent. I'm gonna explain it really quick. Canadian TV just out of the blue, a, a station C CTV out of Toronto, several times over the course of, of three or four years, called me repeatedly for television interviews, um, talking about The Force Awakens, Rogue One, I think even Last Jedi, um, and yeah. <laughs> It was great. They haven't called me in a while, but uh, every once in a while, if you pay attention to my Facebook or Twitter, sometimes they'll 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 call me back, and I'll I'll be on Canadian TV in Toronto because that makes sense. Oh, okay. Uh, where was I? <laughs> we were we were at the Lego Movie, and then suddenly you got you got called for an interview or something oh, like that. God. I don't know. <laughs> okay, back to the Lego Movie. Um, I think we didn't. We I don't think we took the movie seriously because it seems so natural now to go. Okay, you know, Lego movie, like, it's this big hit that happened, like, people are thinking, and, you know, people are now, like, lamenting the fact that the Lego movie 2 isn't doing as well in the box office as they expected, because it's supposedly supposed to be good, um, and people like the first one, people like the second one, so that's great, but, like, when they announced it, and it was like, ah, oh, come on, like, you couldn't, like, it's the whole, like, 
the idea that their Hollywood is just running out of ideas. They got to make a movie about toys now. Come on, but it's actually really good. And I I think just the whole you know the in the animation style is great. It's I, the animation style really truly blew me away the most. It still kind of blows me away because of the fact that it looks so real. It looks like stop motion animation. I think that's that's the thing. That's the thing with the whole idea of you could have just had it just animated, but they have Lego pieces, which are obviously, I mean, I'm pretty sure the whole thing CG animated, but it's has Legos that look like real Legos and that behave like real Legos, but they're in this fantastical universe with all these Lego pieces. And even down to like, when you have water, it's Lego pieces. When you got fire, it's Lego fire. Like they, there's so much attention to detail and it's really mind-boggling how they went out of their way to make this universe, make this feel real. And it's just it makes it more all more impressive when you have like the fact that this is CG, but it looks like stop motion. Yeah, that was one of the things that I wanted to talk about uh, as as maybe like an opening commentary before Absolutely. we get into the plot of the movie was just the idea that. Uh, this this movie looks like, and I told this to my dad. We, I watched it with my dad and my brother earlier today. Um, was that it looks like the kind of of project that somebody would would do in their home? You know, it, it, it's got that feel that uh, maybe somebody worked long and hard and meticulously moved these characters and moved like the little the little droplets of water around and and you were deconstructing and reconstructing everything like this was meticulously thought out to a science where it looked like this was actual stop motion animation and then all sped up and i was like okay well if they actually did do stop motion animation which i i don't believe that they did i'm sure it was inspired by that but i i really don't believe that they would have done that however it has taken them four years to make the Lego Movie two. Do you think maybe they've just been working on stop motion animation this whole time? I I don't know. I really I, I I'm assuming the you know, the Lego Movie two is more the same or maybe even better from a certain perspective. But uh, yeah, it's uh, it just it's funny how I don't know if it's the same studios or what, but like you have both these films that were that are you know, really heavily produced by Phil and Chris Miller, Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse and Lego Movie, and even the two, um, are amazingly animated. Like, so, like, almost groundbreaking the animation. Um, and it's just, it's it's great. And I think it's, it's a great nod and homage to, you know, just stop-motion animation because that stuff, I mean, they really don't use it much anymore outside of, like, Kubo and the Two Strings and stuff like that. You you don't get a lot right. of that lately. So, but this isn't. But it's definitely riffing on that and trying to emulate that style. So uh, here here's here's a response that I found online. I just did a quick search and it says that it was mostly CG with some stop motion and also some real Lego sets that were comped in. But the animation group Animal Logic made the CG photo real. Mm. Yeah, when you so, get like the live action stuff, that's obviously like all real Legos. Oh yeah, it has to be. But it's hard to tell them apart from like when they they're cutting back and forth. It's hard to tell what's real and what's not. Right. 
Right. Like the, the, the cut scenes and the, and the, the editing that went into this was also really, really impressive. Uh, you were asking about the, the finances of this movie not too long ago. Uh, I went and did a quick search on Box Office Mojo. They both ranked number one their opening weekends, um, but I don't feel like Lego Movie t- the 2, the second part, had a whole lot of competition, let's be honest. Uh, yeah. Their opening weekend was $34.1 million last weekend. Okay. By comparison, the Lego Movie's opening weekend back in 2014 uh, was $69 million. Wow. So about double, more than double. <laughs> wow. And I, I don't, I'm not saying that like we've made adjustments for inflation or anything like that, but the Lego movie came out February 7th and Lego movie two came out February 8th. So it's not like one was a summer release and one's a spring release. They both released literally almost the exact same day of the year. And yet Lego movie made almost double what Lego movie two has. So, uh, it'll be interesting to take a look at that movie next week or the week after that. I don't know what we officially decided on, but it's it's in the it's in the near future. It's on the horizon, and uh, it'll be interesting to do like a comparison to see if uh, Lego Movie Two lives up to the hype. Because you know, I, I I think I can safely say after watching this movie, I get why it was so popular back in 2014. Right. Yeah. I really really do. I'm not saying it's like my favorite animated film. I'm not saying. It's, like, my favorite movie from 2014. Obviously not. Guardians of the Galaxy will forever hold that <laughs> title. But it was a solid film. It was very enjoyable. Had a, 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 a several great laughs. Had a really good story. Had some great characters, like we talked about. There's a lot of really awesome components to this movie that make up a, a really, really solid uh, start to a franchise. I mean, it's obviously a franchise now. You've made the Lego Batman movie with Will Arnett voicing Batman in that movie, and now you've just released Lego Movie 2. This is a franchise now. Yeah. And be like the way that they set it off, this movie makes for a really really solid foundation. I I totally get it. Yeah, it's uh yeah, it it really and you know, they had the Lego Ninjago movie, they had Lego Batman, now Lego 2, Lego Movie 2. And I'm sure there'll be more. I'm not sure if all of them have been as successful as they wanted them to be. I don't think Ninjago made did very well. I haven't heard a whole lot about it. That's what makes me think that. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I think they've got a really great little universe here, and, and just you know, being able to kind of continue this. And I would love to say, I, I hope Lego Movie Two does good, even though I haven't seen it. I mean, I could hate it. But like, still, I would love to see Lego Movie Three because I think they got a, they got something good going here that really could be great, in you know going forward. Yeah, I'm with you. Uh, I'm very with you. Uh, so let's talk about Emmett for a second mm-hmm. here. Uh, I, I think one of the best ways to talk about this movie would probably be to talk about some of the stars and the roles that they play. Because trying to talk about this movie in chronology may be a bigger undertaking than we have time for. So let's let's look at Emmett, the, the everyday construction worker who gets up and follows the instructions, conforms to everyday life, but is apparently even so regular that even his co-workers find him blah. He's literally and... the most boring, meh 
guy of all you know in a in a world where it's all conformity and just you know being trying to blend in or whatever and it honestly it kind of disturbed me <laughs> a little bit how large the conformity was like the the sheer lack of individuality really kind of disturbed me like the the way that everybody was walking in those those sequenced rows everybody was kind of in sync during the construction during the driving like everybody parallel parked perfectly the first time no that never happens sorry yeah there is some there's some obvious dark undertones to the whole mm-hmm. like stay in line don't think what does it remind you of what what other animated movie does it remind you of? What other animated movie? Yeah. Oh man. Uh, I mean, everybody conforming and and acting and behaving exactly the same and kind of being oblivious to the rest of the world to a certain degree reminded me of the 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 humans from Wall-E. There you go. There you go. It it, it especially with you have president business and you know kind of this corporation that that has owns everything and does everything and is this kind of almost like godlike presence over everything reminds me of kind of the corporation in uh in Wally and that whole concept it, oh by and large yeah yeah, yeah. definitely some parallels yeah, there i can i can see that i i can definitely see that uh our friend george says uh, the incredibles is one of the other things that it reminds him of uh, I'm curious what your train of thought is along that, George, because, I mean, even in The Incredibles, I feel like there's still some individuality and community based in there, but it's almost like Emmett can't even find community amongst the conformists. Yeah. Like, they're talking about they're talking about going to a sports bar to watch the local sports team, and he's like, hey, I love sports, and he's not in anybody's line, and when, like, they, they all kind of conform and turn at the same time... um he like bumps into a median or something like that, or bumps into a barrier or something like that. And, and like, he's literally the odd man out, which is so weird because if Chris Pratt, like the actual Chris Pratt was in a room, I guarantee you, he would not be the odd one out. (laughs) Like everybody would be flocking to hang out with this dude. And yet the character that he portrays Emmett is so blase at the beginning of this film that it it becomes like almost comical how much he's left out. I love it when Wild Style and and the uh, I can't remember Morgan Freeman's character, but they're they're talking. And it's like, yeah, I don't think this guy's ever had a, an original thought in his life. Like he's so just like do everything he's told, follow the instructions, and, and also brilliant way to just bring in kind of the the culture surrounding Lego and the whole concept of Legos. And like you have a Lego man and a Lego world and it, he's all about following the instructions and the whole ultimate goal here. And the ultimate lesson you get from it is don't follow the instructions, follow your imagination, which is, it's great. Well, the, the cool thing is though, is that in the midst of that, there, there is also almost a secondary message that says rules aren't a bad thing. Right. Because at one point, all the master builders all have completely separate ideas, and they're all like doing their own unique individual thing, and they're not working together as a team. And Emmett's recognizing that teamwork is a pretty important part of what's going on right now, and we have to work together if we're going to win. Um, so... 
there's there's still some camaraderie. There's still some teamwork themes in there as well because he's giving them instructions on how to build that spaceship that conforms to the patterns of everything else so that their individuality doesn't give them away. So it, it's almost like they're blending, you know, be creative and, and be your own person, but, you know, don't do it to such a degree that you end up isolating yourself from everybody else. Right. right. Like, the, the, the whole point of your individuality is to, to make you a unique team member. Everybody, here, here's the thing, human beings are bound by connection. You know, the idea of, of living completely and totally alone is something that not even Master Jedi Luke Skywalker was able to accomplish. He at least had the caretakers, you know? <laughs> right. It, it, there, there has to be some semblance of community for human beings. And... You know, it, 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 even if you've got somebody like Unikitty, who isn't exactly a human, uh, there's still this sense of it's okay to follow directions and it's also okay to express your individuality. So that's one of the really creative things that I've got to give props to Lord Miller for is you're kind of telling two messages in one. You know, don't be a super conformist or else, you know, you're not going to stand out. But it's also saying don't be so unique and out there that you isolate yourself from the rest of the world. Being able to blend those two stories together and actually come, uh, have them come together and, and show what that looks like in a tangible sense was actually really, really creative. Yeah, exactly. And I think, you know, it, it's, it's all about, you know, yeah, you're, you're right. This is a kid's movie. You know, it, it is. is. It is very much. It is. It, it's about kids, but it's not above. It's not. Uh, you know, it's not above kids' heads, but it's not below adults' heads either. I think right. adults can get a lot out of this, and you know, there's very few adults nowadays that didn't grow up with Legos. So, like this whole thing, you have nostalgia for Legos anyway. But the, you know, just the fact that you know, it's it's a really the funny. It's a very smart movie, you know. It's not about like, oh, we're just gonna we're just taking a toy and and making it into a movie. It's about you know, having some pretty deep moral messages and some, as you said, some kind of almost dark lines of thinking and like how the world works and all this kind of stuff and being individuals and and trying to fit in and all this kind of stuff. Very, you know, we're dealing with, you know, there's there's like two humans in this whole movie like the rest of them are, are are toys but they're 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 telling a very human story okay that's the other thing is i noticed a lot of really interesting parallels between the lego movie and toy story as well oh did did you catch that during the sequences that were like switching between live action and animated like the whole idea of needing to not move when the humans are looking at you kind of thing yeah, it's it's funny how they kind of established that, like he like there's like this portal between the real world, but like it it, it parallels each other. Like what what, um, you know, Will Ferrell's trying to do is like the same thing, but also different than what President Business is doing. But then you you know, Emmett passes through the portal and and ends up in the real world, and then he's like, 
he can't really move, I guess, or whatever. I don't know what I don't know what's going on there. But uh, yeah, it's 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 funny how it's definitely this whole thing of like there is a this is like a different dimension, but it's the same concept of like toys are alive, whatever. Toys toys are alive, and they they well here's here's the thing. I really believe that um, that those those two main characters, Emmett and President Business are projections of the live-action characters being put onto the animated characters. Right. I think just present business is a way more literal translation. Right, right. But I, I also think that the, that, the, that, the, that the young man, I can't remember his name. What's the kid's name? Oh, Do you remember? I can't remember. It, it, it was like a really familiar name, like Billy or Finn or something like that. I was Finn, like, wait a Finn, second, I've heard Finn. that name before. Was it Finn? Okay. So I, I feel like Finn is projecting himself onto Emmett in the sense that he feels very normal, but in this world he has an opportunity to be more than himself. And he expresses that that creativity and that pseudo-anarchy on these Lego sets because that's the kind of individuality he wants to express in the real world, but things like school and you know peer pressure and whatever are forcing him to conform so he instead projects that image onto the lego universe much to the chagrin of his dad who is the president of a company most likely and known as the big man upstairs or what have you and there's almost like physical semblances between uh, president business and Will Arnett's dad character. And the more you see that, the more you realize that the idea of using, uh, what is it called? The craggle, the craggle, the craggle, the craggle, the, the idea of using the craggle is the same idea that the dad has had for some time now and has been slowly, uh, initiating into the Lego world. And it's something that Finn isn't a fan of because as soon as all of that is is glued together and set, he's no longer able to express his individuality anymore. The last place that he has an opportunity to express himself will be taken away when the craggle is actually put to use. Right. So, I mean... Yes, there are definitely some some psychological evaluations in here. Like the idea of of projecting identity and image is definitely an element included in this movie. Don't let anyone tell you otherwise. Finn is absolutely projecting onto Emmett in this film. And the cool thing is you get to see that, but it's not like the overarching theme. The overarching theme is... You know, the good versus evil struggle, the individuality over conformity, very simple lessons that kids can take away from. But when you're looking at projection, it's one of those things that makes it accessible to adults. That is where the Lego movie really succeeds for me, is being able to tell multiple stories within one movie and and making it accessible to a lot of ages, where it doesn't shine as much, in my opinion, is some of the obvious and downright dumb jokes. <laughs> like which ones? I'm, cu- I'm curious. Uh, 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 let, let's just start with the obvious. When Emmett 
uh, it falls down the shaft of the construction zone for the first time. He's he's like perpetually falling. It's like constantly falling. It's like ah, clunk. He's falling upwards at some points. Exactly. He's falling up at at several instances. Like, it's just thunk, 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 thunk. That is the kind of thing that a kid would do. Let's be honest. It's the kind of thing that a little kid would do uh, if they were actually playing with Legos. They'd be, like, bumping them up and down, left and right, all over the place, kind of defying the laws of gravity, if you will. But for me as an adult, I had a hard enough time just enjoying, like, the physical comedy of falling down. And, and gravity making you bump into things like that. That kind of slapstick is just very lowbrow humor to me. There are instances where it's funny, but not that obvious. Like this was just like a, a 30 to 40 second sequence of just thunk, 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 crotch shot, thunk, headshot, thunk, thunk, thunk. Like it, it was just very, very repetitive. And I was like, okay. I'm done with this. And I, I checked out for a little bit there. I Like, after about hit number three or four, I just kind of checked out. And I was like, oh, my gosh. But here's the interesting thing. My brother, who I said was watching it with me, he laughed the entire time. <laughs> he loved it. But here's the thing. He kind of, from from his interpretation of humor, he loves and, and kind of lives for slapstick comedy, if you will. Like, um... Do you remember the movie Flushed Away by DreamWorks? Um, seems like I do. There's a similar sequence where Roddy the Rat is, like, falling his way into the Rat Universe sewer system. And as he's doing it, he is experiencing a sequence of unfortunate crotch shots all the way to the ground. Like, he lands on a boot, he lands on a hammer, he lands on a beam, he lands on such and such. Like, it's just thunk, thunk, thunk. Thunk. He laughed a lot at that sequence, too. But bear in mind, this is also the little brother that, uh, biasedly, he's very biased about this, but he believes that The Phantom Menace is the best Star Wars movie. And the reason he believes The Phantom Menace is the best Star Wars movie is because of the best scene in The Phantom Menace, again, in his opinion, which is when the space camel takes a dump and Jar Jar Binks says, <laughs> That is my brother's favorite scene in all of Star Wars. It's, <laughs> I, I, I appreciate your brother's taste. He, he's, got, he's got very interesting taste, but that's one of the reasons why I personally enjoy The Phantom Menace is because it's one of the few Star Wars movies, it's just one of the few movies in general, that he and I can sit down together and enjoy. I'll enjoy it for other reasons than he will, but we both sit down and enjoy that movie. I feel like the Lego movie has become another one of those films, because even if I didn't care for the many, many different shots that you get in the tunnel where he's just bumping into things, my brother loved it and laughed a lot at it. So he gets to enjoy things the same way kids of 2014 got to enjoy it, and then I get to enjoy other elements of this movie. So... Again, the accessibility made it really, really good for me. I enjoyed, I enjoyed Elmet at not Elmet, Emmet. <laughs> uh, okay, I'm thinking of of um, what is it? Dark Helmet from Spaceballs. Yeah, I'm thinking of Elmet. I'm thinking of Elmet. I don't know why, but uh, I also really, really enjoyed uh, his his companions. Um, 
Batman was one that we talked about, and then his uh, his girlfriend Wildstyle. They kind of made like the big three of this movie, right? And uh, once you got the three of them together, it made for a pretty fun ride. Yeah, it's 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 great. Batman kind of comes out of nowhere, and as I said before, I, I think it's just the whole characterization of Batman and Will Arnett is 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 so great. Like he's he really takes it to the next level. Um, might be one of the best Batman out there. <laughs> might be. Oh, definitely, definitely was the best oh. Batman of that of that year. Oh, that's a hot take, my friend. Well, I'm here all night. Um, but uh, yeah, and and you know, Wild Style, they're all very different characters, and I think they're all it just the whole when you get the whole you know the whole crew together in in the sub with Unikitty and all this kind of stuff. Um, you get the pirates, and it's just they're really they're really great at just creating these just ridiculous characters. They're so funny. They're so out there, and and that's part of what makes it so fun. Is you've got a master builder like Wildstyle who's able to just see a whole bunch of different gears and pieces and turn it into a motorcycle. Like that's right. super cool. And then you, you've got somebody like Emmett who can pick up two pieces and make an L and throw it at somebody. And you're like, take this, thunk, 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 and it just falls to the ground. Like, that's me, dude. <laughs> that's me. I am way too, like, analytical and instruction-based to be able to, like, just visualize different components and, and turn them into something. But that is the mind of an artist, you know, that's another one of the cool things about this movie is it shows um, left brain versus right brain people. Have, have you ever have you ever heard of like the, the types of left versus right brain? I've heard something about this. Yeah. So it, it has to do with keen analytical function versus uh, the expression of creativity. I got to do some really extensive studying on it when I thought I might become a psychology major. Um, basically, there there are. There, there's three different types of people out there, according to this theory. There are left brain people, there are right brain people, and then there are whole brain people that are able to kind of cross the two of them over in a certain sense. Mm-hmm. Um, very few whole brain people exist, which is kind of interesting, like a very, very small percentage of it, uh, of the population. But the, the, the way that they test it is with an oral function. Uh, so there will be like a, a proctor that comes up and uh, will will speak to a group of people and just say one word. Are you ready for it? Yep. They will say the word dog. <laughs> when you hear the word dog, does your mind go to pictures of a dog? Like you're thinking of actual dogs that you may have seen on the internet or that you may have seen in person, or dogs that you or your family may have owned at some point, do you think of that? Or do you think of the letters D-O-G? Which one did you think of, Ben? I think I thought of pictures of dogs. Okay, as did I. But there are a lot of people out there that think of just the text, the letters D-O-G. It spells out in their head. According to this theory, people who think of pictures of dogs tend to be more right-brained. They are 
uh, creative. They are expressive. They are individualistic. Uh, people who think of the letters D-O-G in text are more left-brained, analytical, rule-bound, and structured. Hmm. And it's a very, very simple way to gauge just where you fall on the spectrum. And one thing that I noticed, again, from like a psychological perspective, was that Emmett tends to find himself more on the left brain side of things. He's He, he is thinking outside the box when he's talking about like the double-decker uh, uh, couch or what have you. <laughs> but then But then here's where the left brain function really comes in. It, it tends to overthink and overanalyze things a lot. You remember when, um, what was it, Bad Cop came in and reported to President Business saying that the only thing that remained of the sub was a, was a double-decker couch? Yes. All of a sudden, President Business like gets super sidetracked and he starts thinking about it. And he's like, how would that work? If you're sitting in the middle on the top, you'd have to crawl across somebody to get down. And would anybody really want to sit on the bottom because you're going to have a bunch of feet dangling in front of your face the whole time? <laughs> that is the essence of a left brain person. Instead of thinking creatively about the benefits of a double-decker couch, they are analytically breaking it down and thinking how it would not work. Yeah. And so you get to like experience left brain versus right brain individuality as well. President business wants a whole lot of order of things. And I'm not necessarily saying that left brain people are evil. I'm not trying to put it in that but light they at all. Are, though. They're just a little bit more difficult to work with. But even as this movie explains, if you're able to communicate with them and, and you're able to uh, express your opinions and your thoughts and ideas with them in a clear manner, then they're usually pretty open to understanding where you're coming from. Right. So, I mean, that, that kind of happened with Finn and his dad. You know, as soon as he was able to explain where he was coming from, what his thoughts were, uh, how, you know, what he was doing made sense to him, all of a sudden his dad kind of joined in with him. And they kind of found, like, a balance between the two of them, which was which was really, really cool to see. So, you know, that that form of expression, I don't even know if that was the intent that Lord and Miller had. <laughs> but to be able to see things like that and to see that kind of right brain creativity in a character like Wildstyle, you know, somebody who just sees the different pieces and then sees a bigger picture because of it, that is the essence of a right brain person. Being able to look at a bunch of bricks and say, I can make something out of this. Bam, 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 bam. There it is. That is a, a right-brained creative person to a T. Now, now, and so I have a question what? for you. Sure, sure. Where do you fall on the double-decker couch? Is it the best idea ever <laughs> or the worst idea ever? I am a I am a fan of it personally. Me too. I, I like it. I I think that the I think the idea is you need the couch to be tall enough so that even if there are dangling feet, it doesn't get in people's way. Yeah, yeah, I think. I and think... you just need to have people that are good enough friends that they realize if you're sitting top middle, you're there until the movie is over. Mm -hmm. Get used to you it. You know how you could fix the, the feet problem, though, is all you have to do is turn, have the top row be recliners. Oh, dude. Dude, I am so on board with this. 
because you could you could make the top row recliners and you can make the bottom one a pullout. And just put a ladder on the back of the couch. If you want to get down, you just climb out and climb down the ladder. Well, okay, that would that would depend on if you're like going to put it in the middle of the room or something, I guess, because yeah. most of the time couches tend to go up against a wall or something like that. So they've got the ladders on the sides of it like they do with bunk beds where the ladders are kind of built in along the baseboards or something like that. Um, I like I said, I'm personally a fan of it, but it would it would definitely take like a a vaulted ceiling or or like a high-rise ceiling so that you can like put it up there high enough. And it would require like a pretty big TV to be able to enjoy something, or, or, you put it in like an entertainment room that's got a projector that projects onto the wall, so that you're using like you're using like more space and a bigger screen or something like that. But no, I mean, out of everything that I saw, the motorcycle was cool, the the Batmobile was cool, the spaceship was cool, the Lego Millennium Falcon was cool. Like, oh my gosh, they that got, cameo. They got Anthony Daniels and Billy D. Williams to reprise their roles. How even? Like, how did they even get the licensing for that? It's Warner Brothers, for crying out loud. They, I, I just love that, that 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 happened, that that was a thing. And that this is... 2014. This is prior to The Force Awakens. So this is our, That's you know, true. And, and definitely prior, way prior to, you know, Billy D coming back in the films as Lando. Um so yeah, that that was so great. Well, I mean it was it was it was pre episode 7, it was pre episode 9 obviously, and it was pre Rebels. You know, I can't help but wonder if Star Wars Rebels got the idea to bring Billy D back in animated format because he reprised his role in the Lego movie. Yeah, that is interesting. Like, I'll, I'll be honest, one of my favorite episodes of Rebels all time was that, what was it, season one? That season one episode when Lando showed up? I know As Morgan's not, like, a favorite <laughs> character in that series. I don't care. I loved seeing Lando. It was such a cool thing. And so I'm excited to see him again. But to to have gotten to see him in this movie and the way that Batman kind of tricked them and stole the hyperdrive from them. And then they're like, okay, Chewie, hit the hyperdrive. Yeah. And I get eaten by the slug. I was like, yes. The whole hilarious. fake out. The whole fake out with, you know, you, you know, Batman's going to do something and he you think he's, you know, cheating on. Um, or, or or just a straight up abandoning um, wild style, and then he's like, "No, no, I'm back." You know, I stole the hyperdrive. He's like, "Anybody need a hyperdrive?" She's like, "I knew you wouldn't leave." <laughs> There's this touching moment where she thinks she's left. He's left her, and then he's like, "No, no, I'm back." And it's like, "Hey, maybe I stand a chance with this chica, huh?" Mm, no, try again. Like they kept, they kept getting close. They really did. They they kept on getting close and close and like almost touched hands when they were falling and then like almost touched hands uh you know for uh a couple of other times and I was just like oh man um yeah like they they, they kept getting close and then they kept getting what what was it uh, uh you can't you can't call it hand uh, clamp blocked by Batman <laughs> I don't know. You just went there. Oh, my, my gosh. Well, okay, but, I mean, my timing was off a little bit. Like, you should have seen that coming. Like, yeah. what, did, what did they call them, even? They didn't call them hands. Like, they called them 
claws. Pin- pincer pincer claws or something like that. Yeah, claw blocked. Oh boy! Yeah, there was a there, it, there is kind of a there were kind of there was some self awareness about the fact that they don't really have hands; they have like claws. <laughs> oh man! Okay, that that was actually pretty funny because like that that having that awareness just made it that more obvious that maybe this whole movie was being narrated by a kid. Yeah. Like as as soon as we got the cutscene to Finn, I was like, oh my gosh, this makes total sense. I mean, there's nothing. Uh, there's actually there's plenty of evidence to suggest that all of this is happening in Finn's imagination. Um, I I would I would believe it. I would a hundred percent believe it. Um, like it was, it really caught me by surprise. Like you asked me earlier, did it did it surprise me, or was I expecting to see anything live action from this movie? No, I wasn't. I I thought that this movie was gonna be completely animated, yeah. um, and it it wasn't. And I was like, oh, okay, that that's a thing. And it was it was actually pretty interesting to 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 see how they they like brought the two of them together. Like they blended it really really well, actually. Yeah, I I think they did. I think it was a great. One of the things I really liked about this movie is that you know, going back to kind of the moral messages and kind of it it does go the extra mile of not just being it. Yes, it's a very stupid, funny movie, but in the same way that Guardians of the Galaxy has kind of a, a great kind of moment of reflection, some some really good you know heart to it. I think Lego Movie doesn't maybe go as far as Guardians, but it definitely has a lot to it that it's not just like oh it's just a lego movie like it's 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 trying to you know hit you in your heartstrings it's trying to get some emotion out of you and even if it doesn't like it's still it's trying to tell a really emotional story and not just like hey funny slapstick whatever like funny um which it is it's very funny that's one of its strengths but it's also you know, i think all that stuff can really fall flat if it doesn't have a really good you know emotional kind of you know, cement basement there. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm with you. Um, I, I just think here's, here's the deal. Um, this movie has a lot of different tones and those tones shift quite frequently. Right. You, you've got the sense of conformity in the beginning of the film surrounding Emmett you you've got the sense of individuality when you go up to the cloud after you visit the wild west. I don't even remember what the cloud location uh, was a called. Cloud cuckoo land. Cloud cuckoo land. Like oh my gosh. <laughs> like why why can't we just call it cloud 9 and be simple with it? Be like you mean I'm on cloud 9? But um like that would have been funny. But no. They they had to call it Cloud Cuckoo Land, and you had to have Unikitty, and you have I don't know I I'm just like really, um, but the one thing that I did really enjoy out of that was the idea that Emmett had a tracking device placed on him, and was basically leading Bad Cop to all of the master builders. Right. And let's be honest, there's a lot of master builders in that assembly room. Like every famous person apparently is a master builder. I guess. I mean, you got Abraham Lincoln, you got Shaquille O'Neal, you got Superman, you got, like, all of them. 
I, I'm trying to I'm trying to find like a, a list of of all of the different master builders characters because you apparently the list of master builders in the Lego movie include Aquaman, Batman, the Flash, Green Lantern, Superman, Wonder Woman. You've got uh, Citrus Clown, Deep Sea Diver, Demolition Dummy, Disco Dude, uh, Abe Lincoln, Benny the Astronaut, uh, an El Macho Wrestler. You've got Conductor Charlie. You've got Gandalf. You've got a ghost that looks like a member of the KKK, honestly. <laughs> oh. you've, you've got uh, Milhouse from The Simpsons. You've got Michelangelo from Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Professor Dumbledore was on the scene. Speed Racer, the Swamp Creature, Velma from Scooby-Doo. <laughs> You've got a Texas Cowboy, a Trucker, a Traffic Enforcer. You, you've got Hank Haystack. You've got Marsha, the Queen of the Mermaids. You've got Panda Guy, Taco Tuesday Man, uh, Vitruvius, William Shakespeare, and Metalbeard, among others. Like, holy smokes. <laughs> also, Metalbeard. Voiced by Nick Offerman, uh, a.k.a. Ron Swanson. I knew it. I knew that was him. I was blown away by that. I was like, holy crap, what a versatile actor. I That 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 pirate cracks me up, especially when he's they're infiltrating the base, and then he turns into a printer. <laughs> and he turns and into then a the, printer. And the robots are like, hey, 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 they start, you know, jumping on him and taking pictures of themselves of their butts yes oh, and then he's like pirate rule number one you never stick your butt in another pirate's face and i'm like that's pirate rule number one <laughs> that that's a really weird pirate rule to be all the way up at number one man um but you know here's the thing like again from a storytelling perspective when when metal beard said that their endeavor was a lost cause and he, like, left on his ship. It was, like, so obvious the way he was leaving that I literally called it out to my dad. I was like, he's coming back. <laughs> he, he's, he's coming back. And then they end up having the big fight sequence with Bad Cop. And they get, you know, trashed and lost at sea. And who happens to show up? Metalbeard. <laughs> I was like, yep, called it. And so, you know, that's that's the those are the parts, those are the elements that reminded reminded me. Sorry. This is a kids movie. This this is a movie that is designed to be hero-based, success-oriented, encouraging, uplifting, all those kinds of things. And I I experienced all of those. I really did. But to have that kind of predictable storytelling as well just also made me realize, okay, there are a lot of sequences here that aren't meant for me and I need to be more okay with it. <laughs> um, it. It definitely took some work, especially since this was my first time watching it. I may need to watch it another time or two to be able to like, you know, just sit back and enjoy it because I was watching it from a reviewer's standpoint because I knew I was going to be reviewing it tonight. But to be able to sit back and just enjoy it for what it is, I may need a couple more times of doing that. I love the cast of characters. I love the adventure. I love the world building, the literal world building that you were doing, both in real life and in CGI. Like, there's a lot of really, really great components to this movie, uh, but the the storytelling did lack for me at times, not going to lie. Yeah, it's not... Yeah, you're... And I think 
that's both a, you know that can be taken both as a you know a compliment as and a criticism as far as like you know you, you got to understand it's it's not we're we're not talking about an Oscar winning film here it's 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 supposed to be no. fun it's supposed to be funny um and it's supposed to be just this you know fun time um and it, I think it excels at just being clever and smart with its jokes I think a movie like this could get really bad really quick in in regards to it can get really boring and really over the top with some of the jokes and stuff like that like there's some really as you said there's some really stupid like the one that cracks me up the most is the spaceship guy and yeah. he keeps coming back to it and then he has a total freak out in the end when they actually let him build a spaceship and he's just screaming about it the entire time like it's dumb. It's dumb fun, but it cracks me the heck up when it happens. Um, and yeah, maybe some of the jokes don't land all the time, but like I think ultimately it's supposed to be this fun time. I think they did a good job of kind of wrangling in these different elements and doing these different things and trying to create a general narrative, general pretty good narratives, you know, a loose kind of mythology around this. And also I, I do like the fact that the, the even the the whole mythology of the craggle and all this kind of the piece of resistance and all this kind of stuff is very clever in the way that craggle is just crazy glue with you know dude, part of the things left le- letters out like pretty brilliant dude that is that is literally the next thing that I wanted to talk to you about uh we were kind of last minute in putting our show notes together mm-hmm. so we've kind of been winging it tonight I promise you we did not set this up folks but I literally just did a Google search to look up some of the different relics that were included in this movie. Because out of everything that I watched, I think I probably laughed the most at the the little surprise cameos of reality that the that uh that President uh business was was using as relics from the big man upstairs. Because like some of the stuff is just hilarious like the cloak of bandaid <laughs> the sword of exact zero polish remover of nahail nail polish remover so stupid <laughs> fleece crested scepter of q-teep <laughs> And then the piece of resistance, which was the crazy glue cap. Yeah. Like, everything, everything kind of goes back to, like, to, like, real life in some instance. And, I mean, the craggle was the biggest one with the crazy glue. But when they, when they called it the cloak of Bandaid, I just about lost it. I know that that was pandering to the parents so that they would enjoy at least something out of this film. Those relics crack me up. And I love I, I love that there's down to like there's there's little things that you don't necessarily like see right off the bat. Like I don't even know if I noticed it um thing but the uh, Vitruvius I think is his name Morgan Freeman's mm-hmm. character his staff is just a chewed up lollipop. <laughs> Oh wow! Yeah, yeah, and I like, don't think I don't think I caught that. No, yeah, it's it's kind of it's subtly. It looks like a Lego piece, but like it's yeah, it's like a chewed up like you know whatever piece of candy. Um, and there's so many other little things in there. Like they have like real world stuff, like you know, of course the craggle and stuff like that. But it's 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 I love that it is. 
it's trying to kind of convey like this is like a kid's world. This is something like a kid created and kids play with things like, yeah, when you're a kid, you realize a if you, if you have, you know, one of those, you know, candies like the the stick fits perfectly in a Lego man's hand. So, of course, that's gonna, what's going to be this great wizard's uh, staff. Uh, yeah, I mean, you've, you've got to have a pretty good imagination for that, uh, definitely. Um, I, here's, here's the thing that I'm probably most embarrassed by, is I don't think it connected, it registered in my head that the piece of resistance was the cap to the crazy glue. I thought the way that it was shaped and the way that they were holding it, I thought it was just another Lego piece. And it just happened to be, you know, something that stood out and looked unique to them. It was kind of square-shaped. It was fancy-colored, whatever. I honestly thought that it was just a Lego piece. (laughs) <laughs> and it didn't register with me until I like saw some of the live action stuff with the crazy glue that I realized by putting the cap on the crazy glue, it kept from everything getting glued together and forced into conformity. Yeah. Like all of a sudden it just got way deeper than I was expecting it to. <laughs> And I was like, oh my gosh, that's why they're trying to cover up the craggle with this is because they want to stop the glue from spreading and be able to keep living their lives as individuals. Like as soon as you glue all those down as collector's pieces, they're never going to move again. You just sit there and admire them. Yeah, and that's a thing that Lego people do is... It you, is. You know, you, you want to build a building, you don't want it to break, you glue it together. Um, you know, and, and, and even even me, some of the things that I've built over the years, especially when I was a kid, I wish I'd glued those together because now they're in pieces. Um, but uh, I, I love that whole, like, the, it turns into, like, this really like almost like a horror show of like especially when you have bad cops parents and you like that's a really like a dark scene that's actually pretty dark yeah like there's no like punchline to that scene that is like oh this is funny like they ended up getting like stuck and they're not getting out like it's it's a really it's for this kind of a movie that kind of Anything that's like really touching or dark or whatever, it always underlines with a joke. That's one of those things. It doesn't do that. Yeah, no, you're right. And let's let's give props where props are due. Uh, Liam Neeson was an excellent bad cop. So great. He was an excellent, excellent bad cop. In fact, um, I think our, our our sequence for people to actually listen to tonight involves. Liam Neeson playing opposite Chris Pratt, which, if I'm being totally honest, I want to see that in live action too. Yeah, I really, I really want to see Liam Neeson and Chris Pratt play opposite each other on the big screen in real life someday. That would be uh, like a dream come true. And and Liam Neeson, like he's doing both good cop and bad cop. Like he's mm-hmm. doing it so brilliantly, and he's kind of like putting on these two different voices. Oh man, he's. It's he's best, and of course, playing off Chris Pratt is is just amazing. Um, 
if you're if you're open to it, I might just go ahead and and let folks have a listen to some of that. It, it, it'd be better uh, than us yammering dialogue. on about it. Yeah, sure. Yeah, that's that's true. Because us trying to do the quotes would be fairly entertaining because we'd screw it up. But uh, why not have you get entertained by the actual piece of entertainment we've got lined up for you tonight? So, uh, ladies and gentlemen, this is one of the early sequences in the film before Emmett discovers uh, his his uh, abilities as a master builder, as a creative mind. Uh, he thinks he's just a regular dude, and he just happens to have the piece of resistance uh, smeared to his back. And uh, he's being interrogated for it by none other than Liam Neeson's bad cop. So, without further ado, let me bring in tonight's Quote of the Night. Good morning, apartment. Wake up! How did you find the piece of resistance? The piece of what? The piece of resistance. I, I, I don't... Where am I? What's happening? What's happening? Plan dumb, master builder. No, I master builder. Oh, so you've never heard of the prophecy? No, I, or the special? No, no, I'm a liar. Look here. Look, um, I watch a lot of cop shows on TV. Isn't there supposed to also be a? Isn't there supposed to be a good cop? Oh yes, but we are not done yet. Hi, buddy. I'm your friendly neighborhood police officer. Would you like a glass of water? Yeah, yeah, actually. Yes. Too bad. Security cameras picked up this. Boom. You were found at the construction site convulsing with a strange piece. That's disgusting. Then why is it permanently stuck to your back? Me. Look, it's, it's not my fault. I have no idea how this thing got on my back. Of course, buddy. I believe you. Great. I believe you, too. You see the quotations I'm making with my claw hands? It means I don't believe you. Why else would you show up with that thing on your back just three days before President Business is going to use the crackle to end the world? President Business is going to end the world? But he's such a good guy. And Octan, they make good stuff. Music, dairy products, coffee, TV shows, surveillance systems, all history books, voting machines. Wait a minute. Come on, you can't be this stupid. Oh, come on, this is a misunderstanding. I'm just a regular, normal, ordinary guy. And I'm late to meet my best friends in the whole world. And they're probably missing me right now. They're probably out looking around. Hey, where's Emmett? Hey, where's my best friend Emmett? Hey, you know what? Ask all my friends. They'll tell you. Oh, we asked them all right. That guy's not a criminal mastermind. See? Yeah, you know, he's kind of a average, normal kind of guy. Thank you. But you know, he's not he's not like normal like us. No, he he's not that special. Wait, I'm so confused. Who are we talking about? Wait, does he work with us? Gail doesn't remember me? Look at Randy here. <laughs> he likes sausage. That's something. Gail is perky. <laughs> That's something. Harry, well, when you say Harry, I go. <laughs> when you say the other guy, I go. I know that guy, but I know like zippy zap about him. We just talked earlier. I mean, all he does is say yes to everything everybody else is doing. You know, he's just sort of a little bit of a blank slate, I guess. That'll be $42. We all have something that makes us something, and Emmett is... Nothing. There you go. I told you I said nobody.
Hey there, everybody. It's Sage from the Night Force Media Network, and I'm here to tell you about our new show, The Fandom Cantina, and why you need to tune into it. Also here to talk about it is, um, uh, oh yeah, right, it's Mondo. Wait, wait, wait. So you think I got like an afterthought? Let no, me tell no, you but... something, okay? You act like I don't know anything about Star Wars I, I never and the said Force that. Or, uh, or other movies. I'll have you know, I was a MoviePass subscriber, okay? And I subscribed Wait, to but... A-List, and you act like I don't know anything about television. You no. know, like all those fancy shows and video games? Let me I, tell you something, I man. Say... I have beaten 50 video games this year alone, and 50? you don't think that I like making odd-numbered list countdown lists up? Oh, oh, you are you are sadly mistaken, sir. So yeah, that's what our show's about. You can catch us 10 p.m. Eastern Wednesday nights. Mixler's Night Force Media. See you then. We just got done listening to some awesome commercials, and we just got done listening to some awesome quotes. Uh, again, just some fantastic dialogue between those two guys, and it made for a really funny sequence. And you know what I just realized from listening to that? Uh, the Barry that they're referencing that, that Jake Johnson gets a credit for is not Barry Allen, a.k.a. The Flash. It's Barry, the construction worker, who doesn't recognize Emmett. Oh, my gosh. Wow. That's so. Great. Yeah, I mean, I heard it, and I, I just went back and, like, I, I heard it the first time, and I didn't recognize Jake Johnson's voice, but then I listened to it during this quote sequence, and I was like, holy crap, that's Jake Johnson. So I, I guess they had Barry as, as, like, a character, not Barry as in Alan. But uh, still exciting to hear his voice and still um, still a pretty a pretty cool sequence because it, it helped uh, Emmett realize that, you know, the people that he thought he cared about and, and the ones that, that, you know, he thought were special to him didn't find him at all that special. And it, it proved to be like a pretty gut wrenching scene because he's like, they don't remember me. They don't care about me. And like, I, I don't know, like, is that really what conformity gets you is that really what peer pressure gets you is you know you become so regular and so normal that nobody even ends up remembering you yeah yeah and that's what you know that's that's whole emmett's whole thing is that he is so basic so basic that no one knows him and it's 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 great to see his character uh, develop and evolve into somebody that becomes a leader, even though he tells, you know, the assembly that he's not a leader and that he's he's kind of scared and all these things. Like, he lists all these negative things. And before he can get to the butt, they're like, we're done with this guy. <laughs> like, his character really, truly evolves quite a bit into somebody that ends up helping save the day. Which, in turn, when we see the live-action stuff, it actually kind of helps us realize that Finn is also one of the heroes. He helps save the day, too. Yeah. Um, like, it, it's it's almost like the two are, are synonymous, or, or you know, they're, they're almost like the same character in a certain regard. And so, you know, it, it's really cool to see that uh, 
characters have an opportunity to grow and develop in this world and in this franchise. And uh, Emmett was a great example. But I'm curious, is Emmett your favorite character, Ben? Oh, that's a good question. No, no, he's he's up there for me. I'm going to say Spaceman is my favorite character. Spaceman, the guy that's his, trying to build a spaceship every time. Just love his enthusiasm. <laughs> he does have some great enthusiasm. I feel so bad for him because every time he tries to build a spaceship, they, like, stop him, and then he, like, kicks it, and it falls apart. He is and I'm like, so oh. sad when they tell him no. Like, like nah, not Like, dude. he tries. He tries so hard. And then when he finally does get to express himself, it's like, yeah, go Spaceman. Um, for me, geez, as much as I love Emmett, I, I think I enjoy president business even more. (laughs) Yeah. I, I honestly, when I, when I first heard his voice, I thought it was Paul Rudd. Oh, I thought it was Paul Rudd doing the voice work. And then when I checked IMDB and saw that it was Will Ferrell, I was like, holy smoke, they got Will Ferrell for this movie. And then when he comes downstairs into the basement and it shows that he's the big man upstairs, it was like a double whammy. Not only did he provide the voice work, but he also did some live action stuff. And to to have, you know, like an actual President Awesome, like, visible, along with seeing how his character, like, grows and evolves and changes from being this dude that, you know, kicks Vesuvius off of a, of a, of a ledge... In, in the beginning of the film to a guy who ends up, you know, stopping his his tyrannical rampage uh, on Taco Tuesday. Like when he started explaining T-A-K-O-S, the acronym, and he was like Taco Tuesday, I was like, gosh, dang it. I'm a Texan for crying out loud. Don't ruin Taco Tuesday for me. <laughs> I was like, this guy is seriously ruining Taco Tuesday right now. Don't do that. But then Taco Tuesday was redeemed, you know? People don't get glued together. And then you find out that it actually is Tuesday. And, like, the mom calls from upstairs, and and she's like, Come on, guys, it's Taco Tuesday, your favorite. And I'm like, oh, that's so sweet. I want a taco now. Like, my whole attitude and, and perspective on President Business, on, you know, Lego world building, on Will Ferrell, like, everything was just kind of so centrally focused on him in some regard, whether it was following him, understanding him, the relics that are possessed by him. It was like almost all of my favorite elements were centered around uh, President Business in some way, shape, or form. So yeah, he was probably my favorite character. Fair enough. Okay, let's go to favorite scene now. Uh, what 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 sequence did you enjoy watching the most? Oh, this is a hard one because there's a lot of – I mean, that interrogation scene, I don't know if it's my favorite, but it's up there for me as, you know, uh, the uh, – I love the whole sequence in, the, in the, whole, the Wild West, the whole thing with, you know, going into that. That might be my favorite um, in regards to just, you know, you're getting to see a different – you know, different realm in this universe, and then the whole idea that they, you know, there's this different places and whatever, and, and you know, having bad cop come in and just thing. And I, I love the whole elements of like they knock down a water tower and the water comes out, but it's not water; it's actual like Lego bricks that are 
blue reliable picks, and they it's just the, the whole like setting of that is really great. You know, I believe the stuff that was in the West was actually probably some of my favorite as well. Fair enough. I I I did enjoy the the sequence where Spaceman's trying to deactivate the shields, and they just keep looking for another episode of Honey. Where are my pants? I love it when she. I love it when she comes in and wrecks it, and she's like, "Hey, here's your pants. You just leave it." <laughs> I didn't get why that was so funny, but the fact that everybody else was laughing at it made me laugh at That's it. That's the thing, and like, it's just so basic. And I, I, I don't think there's anything more to the show. I think it's legitimately every episode is, "Honey, where's my pants?" Where are my pants? And <laughs> Emmett cracks up. He, is, he thinks he's so funny. He thinks it's like pinnacle comedy or something like that. And I'm sitting here going, really? But I don't know. It's like that collective, uh, I, I, I don't know, I, I the collective group think that he falls victim to. It's just weird. Um, but... Um, to to have that that fight sequence in the old west with bad cop was really cool. Um, honestly, the setting, even though it was Lego themed, the setting and the way everything was kind of set up, and the the large group of numbers coming after the smaller number group of people, it all reminded me of the movie Logan a little bit. And I can't help but wonder if the choreographers from Logan got inspired by this movie because Logan didn't come out until like 2017 or something like that. So maybe maybe this is where some of the inspiration came from. I have no idea. But, you know, movies always borrow from other movies. And so, I, you know, there, there's that possibility. You know what I would love? I would love for them to do a spinoff movie that's just an Old West Lego movie. Oh, I'm totally down for that. But do they all have to dress up as Western characters, or can we have, like, Emmett and Lucy and Batman and, you know, uh, Vitruvius or, or whatever his name is, can they all be in the movie, too? I mean, I would suppose you would you'd have to be as ridiculous as this, and you would have to have, like, just other characters popping up, maybe a superhero or whatever, um... And I don't know. I think that the, that just the part of this is the absolute absurdity of the whole idea of you know Batman and all these characters dealing with you know them. Um, but I, yeah, just something in the old west and kind of exploring that realm. They could do so much they, it, with any of the realms. You could do a whole. I mean, I know they kind of destroyed it in this one. I mean, they they rebuilt it, I guess. But Cloud Cuckoo Land, like that place is nuts. Like that would be a good movie. I, I well that's the thing is I think by giving us all those different realms we now have the opportunity to have adventures in all of those different realms. Right. So maybe something will be set in the Wild West the way you had the Lego Batman movie set in Gotham, you know? Yeah. Uh, there there's that possibility and I'm I'm curious to see if that is how it plans out. Now here's the cool thing. Um because uh, the Finn's dad told him, if you're going to be allowed to play down here, that also means your sister is going to be able to play down here. The very end of the movie finished out with um, Duplo. The, the, du- the Duplo characters showing up. That was hilarious. Neither of us have seen Lego Movie 2 yet, 
do you feel like the Duplos are going to be a pretty central character in the theme of what we've got for this sequel that's coming up? I mean, it, it seems like it was pretty obviously laid out for us. Yeah, I don't, I don't know because they in the trailer for Lego Movie Two they talk about how um, the the after the events of Taco Tuesday everything went south and now it's like this Mad Max uh, thing um, where it's I think you know now that I think about it it seems like the, the Lego Movie Two might be the old West movie we're looking for because it's very like this post <laughs> apocalyptic thing. Um, and maybe maybe the Duplo stuff comes in. Maybe maybe his sister just comes in and wrecks the place and it ends up in a, a post-apocalyptic wasteland. Or the only world that survives is Westworld, or whatever you want to call maybe it. Maybe so. I don't know. I think what, I took it to imply that because they taught everyone how to not follow the instructions and just do their imagination, everything just went insane and, and it just went to... <laughs> downhill um but maybe it had something to do with like duplo obviously there was uh something was gonna happen there (laughs) yeah yeah so i mean i'm curious and i'm hopeful uh but i i don't think it's it's worth speculating because we will probably just end up talking about it on the next episode so (laughs) needless needless to say based on what we've seen from this movie and what we've seen from the trailers and previews and reviews of you know trusted sources and that kind of thing I'm I'm pretty intrigued to see what they do in Lego Movie 2. Uh, I, I won't call it excited. I won't call it hyped like our friend Jeff White, but I'm 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 intrigued, and I think that's enough to to get me to go see it in the five dollar AMC Tuesday deal. So, uh, yeah. looking looking forward to it one way or another. But let's let's go to final thoughts and planet scores for the night. If you're listening live on channel 1138.com. Go ahead and send us your rating out of 10 right now. Uh, if you're listening on social media, you can you know send stuff to us there. Um, you can't listen on social media. I got my words all mixed up. But if you're listening on iTunes, Google Play, StarWarsUnderworld.com, all those lovely places, then go to social media and find us at IPC Podcast and uh, send in your planet scores to us now. Ben, final thoughts on the Lego movie and how would you score it out of 10? All right. Well, final thoughts for me is I've really enjoyed this movie. I've seen it twice now. Um, I even bought it on uh, digital, so I'm hoping to watch it again sometime. Um, I feel like it's a really just a fun, enjoyable movie. It's it's in 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 a world where everyone's looking for this the, the next masterpiece of a film. This is not it. It's just it's just fun, and it's it's really it takes a ridiculous concept of, okay, we're going to make a movie about Legos, and makes it more ridiculous, really. But also, it's good. It's And this really could have been a train wreck. I think, I think, and I've said that about a couple movies now, um, and that's not really a compliment that, oh, it wasn't a train wreck, so whatever. But, like, I think that is a compliment to me that they did this and took something that really, in concept, could have been really bad. But they took it and they had the brilliance to make it into this really kind of sweet and also in very endearing, but also very, very, very funny movie that I think it it definitely had its impact. I mean, 
as we've said, everything is awesome. You knew that even before you watched this movie, you knew that song. Oh, yes. It was stuck in your head. It was stuck in my head oh, before. Like, it yes. was everywhere. Maybe not to the extent of Let It Go, but you know, it had its mark. It's still around. Um, and I've heard the soundtrack for the Lego movie too is great. So I'm looking forward to that. Um, but uh, overall, I think they really nailed it with this one and really kind of came up with just this really brilliant, brilliant comedy that is really just a fun watch. And, it really, and I enjoyed revisiting it this time to talk about it tonight. Um, so final uh, score out of 10, uh, it, I'm always like trying to weigh it up against like my other scores. And like I feel like I'm not being fair sometimes because I'll, you know, I, I think I gave Avengers a 10 out of 10. And like that probably doesn't interface well with some of the, my other, like, less than harsh scores. I think my, my lowest score was, like, Crimes of Grindelwald. We'll get to that later. Um, oh, gosh. But I'm going to go... I'm going to give this one an 8 out of 10. Solid 8 out of 10. Okay. Okay. An 8.0. We got a 9.3 from our friend Jeff in the chat. Thank you, Jeff, for nice. sending that in. If we don't get anything else, then uh, your yours is the average score from our audience is a 9.3. Um, for me, I, I'm kind of following a similar vein to you, Ben. I'm trying to stack it up against some of the uh, previous movies that I've seen, but also let it stand on its own two feet. Um, I'm, I'm trying to find ways to enjoy it for what it is without being too overly you know, critical. And Lord and Miller have kind of shown themselves to be really, really creative storytellers on the animated front. We saw that with Into the Spider-Verse, and now we get to see that with one of their previous iterations, the Lego movie. Um, you know, they they have really great concepts, and when they have great concepts, they're able to execute. They executed a family-friendly, fun, adventure, Lego-centric film that uh, made a lot of money and created a lot of fans interested enough for it to warrant a sequel. So by that regard, by that standard, this movie's a hit. This this movie has done really, really well. Um, but I don't feel like it resonated as well with me as it has with a lot of other people. Like I said, some of the jokes were a little too campy for me. Some of the storytelling was predictable. Uh, some of the characters fell flat for me. And so it wasn't, you know, like a perfect 10 out of 10. But it also wasn't the worst movie I ever saw. And uh, for those for those reasons, and, and let me just one more time give a lot of praise to the stop-motion style animation. Because without it, with, with them moving the way an, any other animated character would, I don't think this movie works well. But because it actually looks like Legos have come to life, it's a little bit easier for you to suspend your disbelief because it looks like a feature-length stop-motion project on YouTube. Yeah, with a lot of with a lot of touch-up work, and so to do that and and mimic actual Lego movements is one of the the highest praises that I have for this film. But with that said, uh, there there's probably. Uh, just a, a few more cons than I would have preferred, and it's definitely geared towards ages younger than I am. But I still enjoyed it. So I had already had the mindset to to give it this score, and then your score kind of confirmed it for me. The Lego Movie is a solid eight out of ten. Nice, nice. So 
Uh, it's been a while since we've had the same planet score, but uh, for this movie, I don't think anybody should really be surprised. Based on uh, previous reviews that we've given and the reasons that we've given tonight, I think it's a pretty fair score. Yeah, I th- I think so. I, I you know I'm not going to sit here and say it's perfect. It's the best movie of all time, but it's 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 a fun ride. And I it think, is. I think it's very enjoyable, and I and I, I urge you to 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 go check it go check it out again sometime whenever you get a chance. Yeah, because yeah. I think I think it's worth a second look, and I think it's a movie that's in fact as we were recording this, I was kind of looking at some Easter egg videos and stuff like that, and like there's so much stuff packed into this movie, like there's so many little tiny things they threw in that you don't catch until you know probably you watch one of those Easter egg videos because a lot of it's not very obvious at all. Yeah, I, I definitely intend to see it again, and I, I definitely uh, would like to be able to not watch it with a critical eye. You know, yeah. I was looking at it thinking, okay, this sequence, this sequence, this sequence, I gotta remember, I gotta remember, I gotta remember. And uh, I think it's one of those that'll probably grow on you the more you watch it, because the more you watch it, the the more subtleties you're able to catch, and the more of the storytelling you're able to embrace, and there's a bit more, you know, it's like a little easier to expect now, that kind of thing. So, you know, I, I think I'll probably embrace it a whole lot better the second time through, and I feel like it's one of those movies that grows on you. So mm-hmm. I'm I'm looking forward to that opportunity for it to, to grow on me again. Totally speaking. Uh, let me see. I guess I don't need the, the plot synopsis anymore now that we've finished this. <laughs> Starting to shut things down, close my tabs on the interwebs and all that sort of good stuff. But before we close down for the full night, a quick shout out to our patrons that help keep this show running. Joey Mays, Jake Damon, Rachel Perry, Dan Grievous, and Parker Ott. You guys keep the lights on for us. You guys keep the, the Patreon. Uh, we, we keep a, a subscription to Podbean, which is our hosting platform. You guys help cover that along with a couple of other minor expenses that we may have over the course of the month. We really appreciate what you guys do for us. And if you are interested in financially supporting the IPC podcast, we have an option for you. Uh, it goes all the way up to the $5 level, so it's the incremental 1 through 5. Even if you're only investing $5 a month, that is still just a meager $60 a year to keep this show running. And uh, however much you're willing to put into it, uh, I promise you we will do everything in our power to make sure that you feel valued and appreciated because everything that you do is totally awesome. Yep. So uh, go check that at patron.podbean.com forward slash IPC podcast. Um, uh, let me see. IPCpodcast.podbean.com is our hosting platform. It's got our entire library on it. If you want access to our entire library, it's only a dollar a month. And you can go back you know, over four years and listen to some of the crap that we used to put out there. <laughs> <laughs> I'm 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 telling you it it needs some some toilet paper for those first few episodes because that's all it is. My editing skills were nothing compared to what Ben is able to do now. So my editing uh, skills you, weren't what I'm capable of now back then. So no. Hey, a, a lot a lot can change in 4 years, but uh dude, we celebrate 5 years this May. Whew. Yeah. That's a crazy, crazy thought. 
But if you want to jump on and, and be a part of what we do, then patron.podbean.com forward slash IPC podcast is the best way to do that. If you want to keep up with us throughout the week when we're not discussing movies or giving our reviews, then follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at IPC podcast. You can listen on demand on iTunes, Google Play, and StarWarsUnderworld.com. Uh, there's always like a, a little synopsis there and a, a show recap and a link to some of the other stuff that we've done in the episode. Uh, all that's available there. And you can also find IPC swag at tpublic.com, T-E-E public.com slash user slash IPC podcast. We've got jackets. We've got uh, T-shirts. We've got long sleeves. We've got stuff for the kids. We've got phone cases, stickers, uh, notebooks. Just about anything you could possibly want uh, is available there. And we're working on developing some new stuff that will be out in the not-too-distant future. So be sure to keep a lookout for that. If you want to make a, a one-stop contribution to the show and get some cool swag, then be sure to do that as well. Oh, yes, indeed. One of the things that we have on that Public site actually relates to our next segment, believe it or not. Uh, before Thanksgiving rolled around, right before Thanksgiving rolled around, we unleashed a, a new line of merch dedicated to this particular segment because it's been around for literally over 200 episodes. And it's time to bring it out one more time. If you're listening live in the chat, then start putting it there. If you're listening online or on an app, then put it on social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Pinterest, everything else that might carry a hashtag. Because it's time for that IPC famous hashtag. Hashtag BBQ Watch. Barbecue. 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 All right, barbecue watch time again, and Ben, it just has your name listed in the show notes. It just says Ben. So I'm assuming Ben has something barbecue related he wants to talk about and won't even tell me until right now. So, uh, Ben, take it away. Well, it's it's not often that I come prepared for these sorts of things, admittedly speaking. <laughs> it's, it's very rare. But <laughs> it's, as, it's, as, it's as rare as the meat your competitors serve. <laughs> oh, boy, that's a good one. Um, <laughs> but this, this week I actually am. I actually kind of had something prepared, or at least something thrust upon me that I thought, hey, I can actually take advantage of this, and I'd, I'd like to share it on the show. Um, so, this is something, and it, it totally does not tie in with the Lego movie, unfortunately. There really is no tie-in. I guess maybe you, you can look for a tie-in as, as we go if you want to, but uh, this is something completely different. This has actually happened earlier this week. So, as you guys know, I work at a barbecue restaurant. And so one of the things, one of the perks, I guess you could say, of, of being in, in the business is going to a thing called a food show. Now, for those of you who may not remember the last time I talked about food shows, and it's kind of an ambiguous title, so and it's kind of an industry thing. So basically the whole concept is that you go to this place, if you've ever been to a convention, a comic convention, whatever, um, you know, it's like that, except... 
instead of like selling comics or whatever at these booths, they're all serving food. And it's all for free. You just go in, and it's all for taste testing. And what basically the concept is, is this is a thing that Cisco puts on. Cisco is a food um, distributor down here. Um, I think believe still one of the largest in the world, if not the largest uh, distributor in the world. And uh, they put on these uh, food shows, what they call food shows. And they allow vendors to come in, different companies, where they're selling, I mean, any type of food, really, truly, food or drink. They come in, they set up the booth, and they're serving it, and business owners can come in and test this stuff out. And the whole concept is, you know, business owners come in, they kind of get to sell them on their products. They say, hey, if this will work for you, do you like this? And then, ultimately, they give them brochures, let them them, uh, work through their uh, representative and potentially make a sale and get something new on your menu, and they make a sale, and it's really good. Um, Also, side note, our representative from Cisco who invited us to this food show, his name is Zach. Just throwing it out there. Oh, wow. Oh, boy. Well, okay, so my point in all this and saying is that I went to a food show, and I tried a heck of a lot of stuff. Oh, do tell. Some Make of, me hungry. Some of it is not barbecue. Some of it is. Most of it is not barbecue, actually, but some of it is. And I tried some weird stuff. I tried some good stuff. It was – I think I liked everything on this. I'll, I'll try to go through it as I go. I'm trying to be as oh. brief as possible. But I oh I gosh. just decided, heck, I'm going to make a note of every single thing I tried, tasted. So here we go. I'm going to go through this. Um, first on the list is pretzel twist chicken, which is this. There's really nothing pretzel about it other than it was just kind of twisted up, kind of like chicken fingers. Um, pretty good, kind of crispy, whatever. The next thing is chicken and waffle biscuits. Now this is really interesting. It's a piece of chicken, like a fillet of chicken, on a biscuit that is molded to look like a waffle. And has syrup on it that tastes like a waffle. So you're getting every bite is like chicken and waffles in one bite. Wow. Yeah. Wow, that's that's so complex, but also sounds so good. It it was really good. It was really good, and it's like they had really fluffy biscuit with it, and but you taste it's kind of like a waffle. It's really really interesting. Um, and that was just that was one of the more out there choices um next up i've got chicken cordon blue which is kind of basic but it was really good um a blueberry scone those were good um cajun pork tamale what yes and it was how do you do that do you like make a tamale and put like shredded pork in it and then put in creole seasoning i i guess so okay so here like cisco is a company. Holy smoke! Cisco is based in New Orleans, Louisiana. Of course, the probably the capital of Cajun food and right, spicy right. food. So there's a lot of Cajun stuff, and I'll get to some other stuff in here that's some really Cajun-oriented stuff. But the Cajun pork tamale it was really good, um, and yeah, some of the best tamales I've actually had in a while. And I love tamales. Um, and I know you do too, because oh yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but, um, okay, next up is a, and I, I'm probably not going to pronounce this, Crab Rangoon. Now, I tasted this. I still don't know what it is. 
really truly. The best way I can describe it is this it's just this like tortilla like fried crispy rolled up into a ball kind of like cinched at the top and inside is this like mixture of cream cheese and crab meat. I'm Weird. looking at it. I'm looking at it online and I I'm I'm going to be honest, I'm not a fan of crab meat, but if you replaced it with chicken meat, I am all over this. And I, I they probably it, it probably would. Yeah. Yeah, I'm I'm looking at it online too. Yeah, this is exactly what it was. It's wow. crazy. It is crazy. Wow. Yeah, if it you made really it chicken sweet and just If like, you made it chicken rangoon, I am all over that. Like like the the puffy pastry feel to it and the addition of cream cheese and probably some spices like it's it's small and portable, and it looks like it can be dipped in different sauces and stuff. Mm-hmm. Man, that looks good. Yeah. And I'm sure it's because it's obviously being down here, they put crab in everything. Like right. crab goes in everything. You 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 have crab cakes. You have stuffed crabs. Um, you know, everything you could possibly think of. So that seemed like the natural thing. But I'm sure they put other things in Rangoon. I guess is how you pronounce it. Um, so that was really good. The next thing up is probably one of my favorites I had of the night. It's called Gumbalaya. So, oh, no, they didn't. Yes, they did. So this is a mixture. No, they didn't. This is taking jambalaya, which, of course, no. it, for those who are unfamiliar, you know, you're, you're standard, like, dirty rice, dirty Cajun rice with uh, sausage and stuff like that, really good. Putting gumbo on top of that. So this is extremely, oh. extremely southern, extremely Cajun. In way. It doesn't get more Louisiana than gumbo laya. I'm telling you. And it's it was Holy so good. Because smoke. normally speaking, gumbo itself is served with rice. You put rice in gumbo, but you're having getting the dirty rice jambalaya in it just enhances it. I was like, where has this been all my life? Right? Why is this just now a thing? <laughs> like I, I'm trying to I'm trying to search gumbolaya, but it keeps trying to tell me, did you mean jambalaya? And I'm like, no, no. no. <laughs> oh man, you're making me hungry. Well, and that was that's the a, point. That's a that's a dangerous thing this late at night to make me this hungry this late at night. What else you got for me? I'm only I'm only halfway through this list. <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay, next up is golden herb breaded Alaskan pollock bites. I should That's add. a fish, isn't it? It's a fish. Yes. Okay, I'm not interested. <laughs> this was these came in regular and Nashville hot. Add both. They were okay. I'll, I'll admit there. Okay, next up, pretty on brand with this barbecue chicken pizza. Ooh, yes, so this, please. This crispy, thin crust pizza with big old chunks of chicken on it. Really good. Really good. Um, and then next up. I jumped right into the desserts. I had apple crisp pie, Ooh. which it was really good. It tasted just like an apple pie. It was brilliant. And I, I should add, all this stuff is not like it's not like it's homemade stuff. This is stuff that's made to be shipped out to places, packaged up, sold to customers. Um, and like the next thing on my list um, is Reese's peanut butter pie, and these are just like individually cartoned up pies that you can just get out of a freezer and give to someone for individual sale. 
but it was really good because it's freaking Reese's. Um, and then I also got Key Lime Pie from uh from another company, which was great. I don't, I don't even I didn't even like Key Lime Pie normally speaking, but that was good. And Man. the next pie is sea salt caramel cheesecake. And oh man. Whoa. Oh man. That was good stuff. Sea salt caramel cheesecake. See, I've got a piece of cheesecake sitting in my fridge that I haven't touched yet. Oh. I I may I may I may touch that tonight now. Oh boy. <laughs> Thanks. Okay, so okay, there's so only did, Go ahead. Did you have a did you have a favorite? Out of the desserts? Out of well, I mean, yeah, we'll start with the desserts, yeah. Well, okay, with, I only got one more thing on the list. Was it your favorite? Um, no. <laughs> so you didn't save the best for last? What kind of anticlimactic list no, is this? No, this is in order of tasting. I didn't, okay, I didn't rank okay. them. This isn't a top five stuff I ate. Um, I'll, I'll get to my favorite. Um, Although that is something it sounds like we would do. That is. We, we haven't done a like food-related we, one yet. We need to do, like, a top five barbecue episode or something. I'm game. I'm game. We could do it. We could do it. Okay, one more thing. And this is actually kind of barbecue-related. Tony Chachery's pulled pork. Now, you know Tony Chachery's seasoning. You've probably mm-hmm. seen it in the grocery store. This is pulled pork, pulled shredded pork, marinated and injected with Tony Chachery. Pretty darn good. Not my favorite, wow. but it was pretty darn good. It was kind of had this, you know, Cajun-y flavor to it, which is not Cajun-y. Cajun-y. I just made <laughs> up a word. Um, but as far as my favorite, and that was the entire list, I should say, um, I got to go back to the gumbalaya. That was good stuff. Man. And as a dessert, I, it's, as it's a dessert been, so it's, I'm going to go with the sea salt and caramel cheesecake. Yeah, that would probably be my favorite too. Like, okay, I'll be honest, it's been a while since I've had like authentic gumbo or jambalaya mm-hmm. because I haven't it's been a while since I've been to Louisiana and you just don't unless you've got some Louisiana transplants that really know what they're doing, you don't get a whole lot of it in Texas surprisingly, at least not in my neck of the woods. Yeah, and the see, Dallas for me, area. Yeah, go ahead. The Dallas area is too modern, man. Like we're we're trying to like project ourselves as like a big city. And so there's not a whole lot of, like, small-town, hometown cooking going on. And that's where you get, like, the really good Cajun food from. Yeah, yeah. And for me, and I talked about this on the show before, how for Christmas dinner, I go to, you know, my family get-together, and we don't have turkey. We have gumbo for Christmas dinner. We have tamales for Christmas dinner. That is so Texas, and that is so great. (laughs) It's such a Texas thing. But yeah, every Christmas there have to be tamales present. Uh, It's it's become like a thing. And then we also have um, black-eyed peas every New Year. Nice. I don't know why. I don't know why either. That's just a thing, I guess. It's just a tradition that's caught on, I guess. I don't know. But if I could have tamales at, like, every major event, like birthdays, New Year, Fourth of July, President's Day, Arbor Day, uh, National Tamale Day. Like I don't care, man. <laughs> I would, I would love to try that that pork tamale you mentioned too. But overall, that sounds like a really cool event because it's basically Comic Con for foodies. It is. It, it it really is, and you just get to and you know the only thing is. 
it can get kind of awkward, especially if you're just a random person that's with someone from a restaurant or whatever, or like you're not the person that's like they're trying to sell to, like me, um, because like you'll you'll get something really hot and they don't like. I think there was drink stands, but mostly it was uh you know it's you get drinks from people who are selling drinks who are trying to like sell you on hey try my sweet tea um and have it in your restaurant and you're having to like say oh yeah I'm interested but I'm also got like gumbalaya in my mouth that's burning my tongue I need some sweet tea um <laughs> um so you kind of have to fake it sometimes but uh, other than that yeah it's 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 a really fun time and you, and you go there hungry and you pretty much leave full like we got there like less than an hour before the thing was shutting down and we only went through half of it and wow. it still got so much stuff, and yeah, you're full. Did y'all come across anything that you might actually want to implement in your restaurant? Um, the tamales actually were something that is is I've heard is being considered. So we'll see about that, and I'll give you an update on that if it does come about. Wow, dude, I'm I I, I might have to make a trip out to Mississippi sometime then. <laughs> <laughs> Mike could sneak, sneak you in on one of these things. Mike might do oh, that. Oh, man. Or or just if you do actually end up using it in your restaurant, it gives me all the more motivation to go down to the Gulf Coast again. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's that's great. And, and yeah, and, and if you're ever, like, in around here in an extended period of time, there is a uh, – maybe I've talked about it before, but there's a great tamale place called Fat Mama's Tamales in Natchez, Mississippi. That place is legendary. If you like tamales, I I I love tamales. Like I'm a I'm a I'm a tamale connoisseur, if you will. Uh, but uh, jeez, dude, you're making me hungry. Thanks a lot. <laughs> <laughs> we're we're wrapping up this show around midnight Eastern time, and it happens um like without fail, unless I have a snack before the show. I always end up craving something. <laughs> and now I'm craving tamales at midnight and I can't have any. Boo! <laughs> but I will try and find uh, something. But uh, not on the air. You don't want to hear my uh, my gums munching. I that That's just... You, you don't want that. Although I have seen videos of people... Who like have YouTube channels and stuff where all they do is just live stream themselves eating food, and I'm like, damn, how do I sign up for dude, that? Dude, you have no idea. ASMR is a thing that I discovered, and I I thought the internet was weird enough, man. Uh, no, we're not going down that road. Not on this episode. Probably, <laughs> hopefully, not ever. But uh, maybe we could talk about it on social media sometime if we ever get that brave. So uh, if you want to venture into that part of the internet, then go find us on Twitter and Instagram. You can find me at Zach, Z-A-C underscore D-F-W. And you can find Ben on Twitter and Instagram and also on Facebook at Ben Hart with no E. Uh, Just uh, spell that out phonetically. You should be fine. H-A-R-T, Ben Hart with no E. Um he probably posts a lot more than I do. I'm in grad school, so that's the excuse that I'm using. <laughs> the the, uh, but the thing you... is, I probably post too much. That's the that's the problem. You're the problem. Well, you mind. you make up for my lack of posting. I'll put it that way. But uh, if if it's uh, if it has to do with Star Wars, obviously <laughs> we're your guys. 
it has to do with comics, then I might be your guy. I don't know. But uh, be sure to go follow us. Keep up with what's going on in the real world. And uh, we'll see you back in the virtual world uh, hopefully a week from now. Looking forward to talking Lego Movie 2 with all of you guys in the not-too-distant future. Indeed. Uh, but unless you've got any other thoughts, Ben, I think we can call it a night. I, I think I think we nailed everything. I, I'm sure we missed a lot of things, too. But at the same time, um, it was a pleasure talking the Lego movie and looking forward to ta- discussing the second part. Because that's exactly what it's called. That's literally what they call it. Literally the title of it next week. And it's going to be a lot of fun. So the second part of this discussion of an awesome franchise will be continuing next time on the IPC podcast. But for now, it's time to put this one to bed. Episode 225 is now officially in the books. For Benjamin Hart, I'm Zach Arnold. Thank you for tuning in this week. We hope that you'll tune in next week. But until that time comes around... We just want to leave you with this closing thought. When destiny calls, the chosen have no choice. And we hope that you choose to join us next time on IPC. But until then, good night, everyone. Everything is awesome. Dress playing on her piece of best skim milk white bread got my homework weeks ahead keeping stones investment braces lemonade i like to make it up recycling mountain biking let's go hiking make sure your shoes are tied everything is awesome everything is cool when you're part of the team